Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to kick off with Dirt and Spray. There's the snap, a spinning handoff, and it goes to Mitchell who pours his way in. That is a touchdown over the right guard. The Niners have scored again. They're in the NFC Championship game. Mahomes in the pocket, throws a deep one behind the defense, it is caught, Valdez Scantling with the grab, he got behind Millett for 33 yards, downfield delivery to Valdez Scantling. This is a Super Week edition of Dirt and Spray. Brought to you by George McCoy at WarrenAllen.com. Injured? Don't trust just anyone to something so personal. Call George McCoy at Warren Allen. Online at WarrenAllen.com. Super Week with Dirt and Spray on 1080. That was like a fantastic. The Fan. All right. 602 in the Rose City. Time for Dirt and Spray on Portland's sports leader. 1080 The Fan. Happy hump day, everybody. Schultzy, good morning. What's going on, man? How Happy we doing? How we you. feeling? Tired, but good. Ready to go. Tired? It's just like I was on a maybe a three-hour nap. That's what happens when I do these quick turnarounds. It almost becomes more of a nap than an actual sleep. So, But we're ready to go. I digress. You said you did primetime yesterday. They're done at 7. What did you go to bed at, like, 1? Ah, uh, probably midnight, and then Ooh. had trouble. Like I woke up. You know when you have that midnight. midnight? What are you, a late night talk show viewer? What are you doing, midnight? I'm a degenerate, baby. <laughs> and then I woke up and tried to have that like late night or midnight poop. Ugh, that ruins your sleep. <laughs> you, you you eat something, and then all of a sudden you you like wake up out of out of a dead sleep. Your tummy's growling, and you're like, I gotta get to the toilet. That that was oh, me. So, I, I thankfully don't have that problem very often. That's good. Well, it yeah, it is and it isn't. Um, it makes for my day very interesting in that department. It's like, hey, you're up at four. Get your stomach going. Your system's moving. All right, you did it. Then I drink water every morning, like 25 ounces of water, first yeah. thing. Stomach's moving again. Oh, no, we got to go again. Oh, well, we got to go to work. Now we have coffee. Oh, no, we got to go again. We're going to wait three hours. It's a awful process. 
But I don't have to wake up at midnight or one to do it. I just do it at four, 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 uh, 4.15-ish. I'm not usually doing that, but I, I think it just depends on like the burrito that you eat. You know, Sometimes it's the correct place. Sometimes you eat the wrong burrito. And uh, I think we just, uh, my wife and I chose the wrong location, and the burritos weren't as good as they normally are because tummy wasn't feeling it last night. Mm. Sometimes the best food, though, still makes the tummy uh, rumble a little bit. You know what I mean? Oh, that's fair, and I, I don't know. I, I like... I like cheese on my burrito, so that oh, probably didn't help. God, uh, are you lactose? No, at no. least not that I know of. But maybe, maybe if I all of a sudden stopped eating dairy, like I, I just wouldn't be chubby and I'd be so much healthier. So technically, like I could be, I just don't know yet. I uh, I sometimes say lactose, uh, like the bread. Well, I always used to think lactose. that I thought that was all like one word, like lactose intolerant. Like when I was a kid- Oh, you I, thought the intolerant was attached to the lactose? Yeah, yeah, like lactose intolerant. I'm yeah, like, no, oh, I kind of okay. say it that way. I, mean, <laughs> I knew they were separate, but I would say it that way. Always, yeah, as a kid, it, you never you never understand like certain lyrics on the radio, certain big words like that. That was one of them. Schultze, I, um, I think I've reached a point in my life where I'm comfortably telling you I've uh, become a bit of a curmudgeon in some ways. Old man on his lawn. Huh? Little, a little old man on his lawn. Uh, what's wrong with these kids? Um, Music was only good in my day. I'm 37. That's not that old. Nope. I know. But I feel old sometimes. And one thing that makes me feel curmudgeon-y I don't know if you've seen these things lately on the internet. I have, and it kind of bothers me. Have you seen this uh, Apple ProVision thing? Have you heard about this? I have. So Apple's trying to do, you remember uh, Google Glasses? You remember those back in the day? I was in college when these were coming out, and there was a photo of, I, I forget who it was. I want to say Jay-Z, but I don't think it was Jay-Z. Somebody like Jay-Z was rocking them. And they were just a pair of glasses. They look like sunglasses. And in the sunglasses, like the inside, there was another little screen in your glasses that you could look at and like view the internet or yeah, use everyone, as maps. Everyone was supposed to be wearing these by like 2020. Nobody, these were supposed to take over the world. Not a soul bottom. They they are one of the biggest flop products to ever exist. I remember seeing a preview for them and thinking. I had a buddy that was all in on everything new. If it came out and it was technology, it was going to be amazing. And I remember seeing it with him, and I go, nobody's buying those. And he goes, oh, you're an idiot. Everybody will, man. You can watch something as you walk. I'm like, first of all, that screen looks tiny. Second of all, I don't want to watch something as I walk. Yeah, what the hell are you doing? I, that's Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying. This Apple ProVision, I saw this first with Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer, who does, like, NBA coverage. He put out a video of what Apple ProVision will look like if you sit at home with it and you watch basketball. Yeah. So Apple ProVision, for those that don't know, it's basically like the uh, Oculus. It's, it's, it's a headset that yeah. you put on and it takes you to, you know, three-dimensional or you watch TV or you watch games, for example. And I just thought watching that video, he was like, this is awesome. And I'm like, yeah, if you're a lonely loser, like, what are you doing? Why would you want to watch a game with goggles on? And second of all, it gives you these options to keep real-life stats up at the same time as the game and the ability to watch another game. And I just look at this, and I'm like, you're not watching anything. You're watching three things at once, which means you're watching nothing. Why would you care about seeing the real-time stats? Let the game play out. 
We'll see what the numbers say. And guess what? The numbers are going to change. You know why? Ebbs and flows of sports. You don't need to be an analytical geek to know that. That's just what sports has kind of always been. You know why the stats have to be up, baby, for all those betting degenerates like me and like I, you. Come on. Yeah, but I can, I, look, I'm not a great gambler. We make fun of me every week. I can gamble in real time without needing stats in one of my eyes and the game in the other. Speak for yourself. Well, okay, this is up your alley, then. I, you're really going to love the curmudgeon rant I'm going on here. They released another version of it. And it was somebody walking, and it had, like, a Google map or whatever map in front of him. And so, like, you see the the perspective is you walking, but in your sight line, blocking most of your path, is a map showing, like, hey, turn left here. Walk 800 feet. Turn right. And I just, I'm like, why do we want to live like this? We're already dealing with an isolation problem. Now we want to put goggles on to watch sports? Could you imagine inviting a buddy over like, hey, man, big Blazer game tonight. Want to come over? Sure. Comes over, and you say, all right, man, it's on TV, and you put your goggles on? What a weird social interaction that must be. Or putting them on so you can walk properly somewhere. What happened to looking at a map and memorizing, like, four steps? Hey, turn left on this road. Nah, I can't do that. You can't do that. I, I'm kidding. I, I think a lot of people can, but they choose not to in this day and age. That's because... how we did it back in the day, baby. I yeah, was raised right. on that. I went into a random gas station that I found off I-5 once when I was 18, and I didn't really have a cell phone. And I entered a gas station, and they printed out for me a map from what was it it was uh what was the thing we used to use back in it's the called day called MapQuest MapQuest thank you they printed me out a two page MapQuest thing that i needed to continue on my journey that was like that was that best that was the internet for me other than that it was like you got to memorize like 10 steps and i never had a problem with it and i feel like more people were directionally right back in that time whereas now man if your map's not working there's a panic in your car it, it said to go this way and now it's turning me around or it, it stalls or delays. I feel like people are more lost than they've ever been. And so I see this vision and I'm like, God, we need to get rid of this stuff. This is not a good direction for us to go. That's my curmudgeon hill. I'm tired of these things. Who wants to wear goggles to walk around? No, thank you. And I don't need them to watch sports either. I'll just watch it on my big screen. I'm... I'm like halfway in the camp that you're in here. I feel like that this is kind of we're we're still progressing technology wise to a point where, you know, new shiny things do seem like they are needed by some people. Unfortunately, this Vision Pro from Apple, which essentially is like an Oculus, but it has it's different because you can see the world around you. So you're supposedly able to interact, unlike I think most of the other VR headsets out there, like Meta's, whatever they're called, the, the VR headset is like you can actually still see like you're talking about walking around with a map and then walk into the world, not, you know, not not really running into things. You see everything on the cameras and like you're there and they can see you at least a, a representation of your eyes. But, you know but, how else I can see you with not <laughs> wearing looking. my goggles? I can I'm looking at you right now. I don't need a 
big ass thing of goggles on my face. Nah, but it's it's more interesting, I think, for the people that want to get like a lot of work done at once. If I'm alone, not with people. If, sure. If I'm alone, it's a great tool. But if I'm with others, then yeah, you're just isolating yourself and you're stupid. But that does. I, I think you become addicted to it, even when you are alone. You're like, well, I got to put these on. I got to put these on. I got to put these on. And then you're like, oh, I'm putting them on every day. I mean, they're expensive, man. I don't know if you are saw they. The, uh, I, I didn't see the price. The I ent- assume the but... entry price is thirty four ninety nine. <laughs> I, I think on these things, and that's just the lowest amount of gigabytes for storage. So if you man. wanted like a terabyte, you're going up towards I think three or thirty five hundred. Are you interested in buying this? You seem like you're kind of in between, like my view and then like the pro vision view i'm not gonna buy this one i i think two or three iterations down the road because they do the prices will have to drop they have to and this is kind of a yearly or bi-yearly thing you you would assume they kind of innovate every year with the watch and with their phones so i hope by 2026 27 maybe they have a second or third version of this out that's like under two grand and at, at that point the battery life will be longer than two hours that's this this new piece of technology like here's here's where I'll go with you on on old man get the hell off my lawn guy. Sure. You don't have to be the first person out there that has the newest piece of technology. Usually, now that we've seen it, I mean, you go back in the iPhone first iteration that Steve Jobs introduced, now it was terrible. Obviously, we have the benefit of hindsight, but usually even beyond that, if you look past like the first iteration of the Macintosh, well, the second one got better. The first iteration of like Windows 95, oh, Windows 98 was faster, it was better. Sure. Implementing the second and third generation of technology usually mm. seems to be a lot easier, and you end up wasting your time waiting in line to be the first one to have it, and it ends up with a lot of frustration like, well, you know, the next generation of tech, that'll help me, so no, I, I'm not in on this. Imagine, not yet. Imagine the first people that got super jacked and bought those Google Glass. Oh my god! I think only two or three hundred thousand of those sold. It which was is it a, was it was like abysmal. Though. Yeah, it was really bad. Like compared to what they thought it would be, they thought that well, you were right. They thought that was going to take over the world, and it didn't even sniff it. The other one that I thought of was I love having a big screen. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. Do you remember that very brief moment in in our world where the curved TV, the curved flat screen, was like the thing? And it like stuck out on the right and left, and then like curved, it bowed in. I love that you bring this up. Do you up. remember that TV? Yeah, I and was. Everybody saying, This is that you got, look at the angles. It's the way the oh picture looks. It's, it, you got to buy this TV. And I remember looking at it at a Best Buy once. Me and my wife were buying a TV. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Everybody screams and rants and raves about this TV. And I just looked at it and I went, That ain't me. We're just going traditional flat screen. And I got a regular flat screen. I think maybe less than eight months later, it was basically one of the more overrated products out. Like, nobody was buying it. It's kind of like 3D. Like, 3D TVs. (laughs) That was also supposed to be a big deal. It was like, oh, it's going to feel like LeBron James is dribbling in my kitchen. And he'd be like, "Mm, not really. I was just talking with my wife about this, like, literally four days ago. I love that you bring this up, because Super Bowl Sunday is coming up, so, you know, TVs are on the brain, and there's a lot of great deals out there still, and I'm like... Gosh, uh, should I upgrade to a QLED in one of these rooms? I don't know. It's cheap enough. But yeah, she was asking about those curved TVs and if they were still a thing. And it was like, no. No, those went out of style very quick. They were expensive <laughs> for no reason. They were. They were so damn expensive, too. It added, like, what, maybe a quarter of an inch of viewing like angle yeah, there from was the some side? Weird, yeah, there was <sighs> a weird element of the way it was. Something stupid. It, yeah, it was designed. It was supposed to help. And 
I mean, you could really make an argument. I've been curmudgeon-y for a very long time on some of this stuff. But I just think, like, there's so much overreaction. Oh, this is going to be amazing. It's like, eh, you just so? need a flip phone and a tube TV I told, I'm not kidding you. This is a dead honest thing. Maybe a week ago, I turned to my wife and I go, I'm thinking about getting a flip phone. I'm just kind of done with this. Yeah, go into a dumb phone. I like that. I just, no real apps. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I don't, I haven't done it yet, obviously. I contemplate it, though, from time to time. Yeah. There's there's a world in which I, I think that like we can have like an iPad or a laptop on us and, and when we need to go into the internet world. I gotta work our laptop. I'm good. Exactly. And then we, we don't have to have it on our phones. We can just be removed a little bit, which I don't know, thinking back to like high school when I didn't have the internet at my fingertips. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a little healthier. I think more people were a lot happier. It's so it's it's my big curmudgeon thing lately yeah. is talking about how bad technology is. Like it's great in a lot of ways, obviously. Well, there's a movement of people going with dumb phones now. I mean, they literally produce phones that don't have yeah. as many features now for a, a growing section of people that are like, screw this. I just I just want to be more connected and use my phone for a little texting. Let little me get my BlackBerry bl- uh, back. I like to email and text. That's all I'll do. Oh, th- see, there's this. New I loved way. the BlackBerry man. I was big on the BlackBerry. I was a. I, I'll show you how douchey I was. I was oh, no. BlackBerry oh, no, 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 no. case. No, you weren't. On, no, dead honest truth in college. I had a BlackBerry case on my hip, and it was like the shirt was under it, so you, it was very prominent on my hip. You really are, old man. Dude, well, back in the, I mean, this was probably 2008, 2009. Really? It was, young guys were, no, 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 no. Text into the Vancouver Ford text line if in 08, in your 20s, you were carrying around, unless for your job, sure, but just normally... Tell me if you were carrying around a phone <laughs> on your hip on a belt, because I'm pretty sure only guys over the age of 56 did that. Oh, okay. I'm going to put that up because I disagree with you. Okay. Do you remember the sidekick? That's, yeah, but the, that the was a side pocket flip thing. out. No, yeah. dude. No, the real ones had the case for the sidekick. They wanted you to know they had the sidekick, and then they would always bust it out when they were at the mall or at a social setting. They'd lean against the wall, and they oh, flip okay. it up, and they look like they were... It looks like they're either drug morpher. dealers or they're super yeah. important. It was always like a debate of like drug dealer or important. That's what we used to debate in college: drug dealer or debate or a super big deal guy. I don't know, but they always had the case. They always had the sidekick out. That's why, yes, it is old manny to like think about it that way. But for a, a very brief moment in the o eight o nine era, cell phone cases were kind of a thing. They were kind of a thing. And then, like, a year later, the BlackBerry died, and the iPhone exploded, and me and my wife still miss that phone, actually. I do love the BlackBerry. Uh, rest in peace to the QWERTY keyboard. There's actually an attachment. I love the little ball uh, scroller. Oh, I miss that, too. I loved that one, man. There's an attachment for the iPhone that I'm looking at that adds, like, a physical keyboard to it. it makes it a little longer. But sure. I'm, I'm definitely down. It gives you your full screen on the iPhone, and uh, if I don't go to, like, a, a phone only with texting and with calling, I'll probably just add the keyboard to my iPhone. I think point. the only thing I'm missing from this segment is a pair of glasses sitting at the end of my nose. We just Let went... me tell you what it was back in the day. Well, that and very tech nerd-like, too. It's like we just got back from CES in Vegas, like, 2024 before they got ready for the Super Bowl. Mm, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, it is a loaded show today. We've got two guests, dude. Two guests. Woo! Tyler Fulgham of ESPN's betting, uh, ESPN Bet, is going to join us at 8 a.m. And uh, we'll talk with Eric Eager of Sumer Sports. He does a lot of analytical dives into football. He's a good friend of the show. So he's going to join us at 7.30 today. Uh, did you do a stat or story? 
Oh, today is uh, Wednesday. Did Swag email? I don't know what Swag tells you or I mean, doesn't no, tell I just, you. I, I should know. He just asked me if I needed anything, but okay. I, can, I can throw together a stator story. Uh, I got NFL zigger zag for you. I'm going to throw some zigging and zagging out for I you. I love it. Uh, but let's get it going. Dirt and Spray, good to be with you on this beautiful hump day. Let's get it going on the fan. Lonesome highway east of Omaha. You can listen to the engine moaning This is a super weak edition of Dirt and Spray. Brought to you by George McCoy at warrenallen.com. On 1080 The Fan. All right, welcome back in. I, I uh, always think the show cannot get any older than just having dirt on it every day. And now dirt is out, and I feel like I've stepped up into that old role and filled the void of being the old curmudgeon. And here I am. Although there are people on the text line, the Vancouver Ford text line, Kind of agreeing. Like, some of this stuff is just kind of stupid. <laughs> hey, let's put some goggles on your face and then just block entire views with multiple screens. Like, <laughs> Somebody else uh, referencing this. I wanted to finish this. I started it, the 60 Minutes Gambling piece. And they're finding that, like, young men are obviously the most heavy of gamblers with sports gambling on the apps. Some of these people are gambling, like, financial aid money. Oh, my God. Like, big sums of FAFSA money. Stuff that is not supposed to be gambled. Like, like money that is yeah. not set aside for fun well, or entertainment. Stuff I, that you need. Yeah, but I, I'm somebody who had FAFSA in college, and I, you know, happy to say, paid my loans off. I'm not going to pretend that I didn't use some of that financial aid money for my own personal well, of benefit. Of course not. We all do. No, a little bit. You're only supposed to spend it on school and books. Well, yeah, but we got to eat. I, I, <laughs> Cash that check, homie. <laughs> uh, Schultz, uh, what's going on? How are we feeling about our old friend in Milwaukee? I watched the end of, uh, oh, I watched most of the game between Milwaukee and Phoenix last night on TNT. Dame didn't play, sat it out. The Bucks lost. They are one and four with Doc Rivers. Mm-mm. One and four. They fired a coach who was second in the East, and I I didn't think he was a very good coach. I thought he had some major red flags before the season started, but they fired that guy, and he was second in the East, and that wasn't good enough. It was too clunky. It was too weird. They didn't like him. Then they brought in Doc Rivers, and now he's one and four. Dame Lillard has a piece come out by Vince Goodwill of Yahoo Sports. Did you see that piece? Uh, no, I did not. Fill me in. It basically, I mean, it sums up Dame. Uh, I wouldn't use the word. I'm using this very lightly. It, you read it and you kind of come across as like, is Dame depressed? And you kind of wouldn't fault him, right? He, he's going through a major thing off the court with his ex-wife. That yeah, you know, that's not something but, that I care that much about. But going through the process, it's is, not easy. No, it's certainly not easy. Uh, his kids don't live with him. He's in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And yeah, he's a millionaire and he's got the greatest house. Like, uh, Meringue had told me he moved into where Drew Holiday was staying when he was in Milwaukee. Cause that's what they do. We do that yeah. in this city too. couple mansions in and out. Hey, you got traded for him. Okay. I'm out. All right. I'm in. And he's got a big house, but it's Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And the piece just highlights like how alone he feels. How like tough this is not being able to see his kids physically every day. Like he FaceTimes them. You could almost see that with the interview with Malika Andrews on ESPN before the Blazers game, too. I feel like just that the look in his face, you know, Dame is we've all seen him for the last eleven years here in Portland, very happy, very jovial. But you just kind of see you can tell when somebody's not a hundred percent, and you just don't feel like, you know, because of all this stuff going on that he's a hundred percent. So agreed, there's a lot going on off the court for him, and it's uh 
along with what's going on in Milwaukee. I know you're going to get into it, but uh, it's definitely not concerning, but at least enough to make you raise your eyes like, what's going on? Well, you just, I, 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 um, I will continue to say this. I'm going to bet on Milwaukee. And and this could age like very warm milk left out in the sun. But I'm going to take the guy that looks like the biggest killer in the league right now. Giannis is doing things on a nightly basis. I've watched 90% of their games, and not like first quarter to fourth, but like pretty good chunks of most of their games. This dude is doing things that I... You drop him in in any era, and he's winning a title. Nobody would have an answer for a guy like that. But the league has evolved, and these bigs are expanding and more athletic and whatnot. He's still a killer. I will bet on Milwaukee. But what I think you're seeing with Dame is all the off-court stuff, the family dynamic, living in a new city, you know, kind of being alone in that way. And I said this before he was traded, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of double down on it because I think it's kind of proven right. Do you know why it got so messy when he uh, when it got into the summer with the Dame and the Blazers? Very well could say, well, the Goodwin agent, he came out and demanded only the heat. Yeah, that's part of it. That's sure part of it. I think the other part is he didn't, they didn't handle that trade right because he didn't want to be traded. We, the franchise basically strong-armed him into doing that. He didn't have a choice. They would have gladly let him be Malcolm Brogdon on this team this year, but he's Damian Lillard. He wants to. He wants to win a title, and and they clearly were not going to put the chips in the middle, as they told us exactly a year ago. We're going to put our chips in the middle and and win around Dame. That wasn't what they did, and so they put him in a position where it's like, okay, well, I. I you draft a 19-year-old point guard? Okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. And so he asked for a trade. He didn't want to do that. And I, I think what you're seeing is a guy that's like, I didn't, I want to win. He wants to win. His numbers aren't awful, but they're not where they were. But you don't expect him to be exactly the same. But constantly, night in, night out, when he plays and when they lose, Dame's a bum. Dame's a bum. Dame's a bum. Because Giannis has won. And that's kind of the, the, quote, burden of being an athlete, even though your life is great in a lot of ways, that's kind of the burden professionally is like, yo, you were brought here to help us win. We lose, and your stats aren't great. This is your fault. And it's just like this combination of stuff. So I'll still bet on Milwaukee. Yeah. Doc Rivers, not a great hire to me, but... It's just it's I'm I'm finding it uh, interesting from Portland to kind of keep an eye on and keep tabs on Dame how the Bucks are doing. They're our Eastern Conference team this year, you know. Oh yeah, I mean I'm a Bucks fan now. <laughs> I got a Bucks hat. I should have wore it today, knowing I was going to talk about this. I mean, even even as Damian Lillard is gone, I still I think I've said this more often than not on the air. I am more of a Dame fan than a Blazers fan at this point because of how the organization handled that whole issue. Um, regarding Doc Rivers. You kind of wonder if the teams turned it off a little bit because they got what they wanted. They got the coach that they weren't really liking fired. And because of that, just kind of human nature to back off a little bit. So because they, 
they think that you know they, they won that battle. They're not really ready to fight the next battle. So yeah, one and four. Hopefully that turns around soon. But uh, they got to start listening to Doc because it doesn't sound like. I mean, they weren't listening to Adrian Griffin, and I'm wondering if Doc, uh, in their minds, was brought in just to placate them as opposed to actually coach them, at least from the players' perspective. So I do wonder if they will start to eventually listen to him or not. But when it comes to Dame. It just makes me sad because I bring up the Malika Andrews interview again on ESPN that he did before uh, the Blazers Bucks game last week, just talking about coming back home, you know, and, and then also talking about how often he was reminded that he's a Milwaukee Buck just on social media. And I think he was kind of taking some pot shots at the people that have been giving him a little crap, you know, saying that he's the reason for their losses. It's like, yo, Damian Lillard played basically with two bigs, Lamarcus Aldridge and Yusuf Nurkic his whole career, and, and worked the pick and roll with those two and those two only. Robin Lopez, a little bit thrown in there at the beginning as well. You, you can't transition immediately after 11 years with one team to a brand new system, and now a new system again, the second time in less than six months that he's having to learn and implementing that on the fly in the middle of the season. So what's going to happen? Yeah, him and Brooke Lopez, they're not going to look so synced. Him and Giannis are going to look so synced. Who's going to take the ball up? Sometimes it seems like Giannis or Dame really aren't sure who should be taking it up at a certain time during the games for the Bucks. So... 11 years with a new team, I feel like this is going to happen. And just to say, Dame, it's your fault. That's disingenuous to everyone involved because it removed the drama from the situation. You know, they've got a good roster overall. It can't be put on one person. There's many reasons the Bucks aren't succeeding. And Dame trying to implement as a new player is one of them, but only one. No Brooke Lopez for them last couple games. Now, for personal reasons, we noted how weird the Dame thing seems to kind of be just from an aesthetic standpoint. Brooke comes back. Dame plays. He didn't play last night. I still think Milwaukee can figure it out, but keeping tabs on it, it's... Um, you got a little. I got a little sad for him reading that Vince Goodwill piece. It's just like, dude, all on Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They're like, uh, it's probably not the greatest place to be. But he's from uh, Cali, right? Not really used to the uh, cold weather either. So this is probably it's, one of the it's more an isolation thing. Like he he's friends with his teammates, but they're not there all the time. And like your kids, I mean, he has three children. When you yeah. have to live in Milwaukee and then you travel, and it's like, hey, how do you see your kids? I Facetime them. And that cold weather, though, as somebody that's lived in Boston away from here for eleven months, you know, out of one year. It's tough when you're in the sure. snow. Like, like I'm Every saying, day, yeah. I'm saying the cold. It makes a difference because the isolation, you know, maybe necessarily being away from your family is one thing, but also just looking outside and it just looks miserable. That definitely also gives you a feeling of isolation. Uh, let's get into football as the Bucks are uh, struggling along with Doc Rivers one and four. Let's go to the NFL. This report came out last night. How would we feel about it? Next on the fan. is a super week edition of Dirt and Spray. Brought to you by George McCoy at warrenallen.com. On 1080 The Fan. Well, how about this one last night? Benjamin Solak of uh, The Ringer. I've used his, I've referenced his name quite a bit. I, he is one of my white whales. I have tried very hard uh, to get him on. I just find him very... Um, very intelligent. He does these YouTube film breakdowns. He writes. He podcasts. Uh, he broke some news last night. He got some of it wrong, but he broke some news. I kind of think it's a bit he's doing because he's broken a little bit of news before. He had some Lions news. I think he's a Michigan guy. Like, he lives in Michigan. And he had some Lions news a while ago, and he, he called them the loins, 
not the lions, the loins. And so uh, I think he's leaning into a bit here. He reported last night that Oregon head coach Chip Kelly was interviewing in Seattle for the offensive coordinator position. You just said Oregon head coach Chip Kelly. No, he said Oregon head he coach said Chip Oregon Kelly. Coach and everyone Chip went, Kelly? yo, yo. And he was like, no, I swear, I put UCLA. And again, I think it's a bit he's doing of just That's having funny. a little typo and some breaking news because then people highlight it. Chip Kelly with the Seahawks and Mike McDonald. How we feel about the old chipster, huh? How would Seahawks, How do you think Seahawk fan reacts to the news that Chip Kelly is their offensive play caller? I mean, I'm not a Seahawk fan, and I'll become a Seahawk fan. I don't know if it's my Chip Kelly bias. Oh, you're just a lifelong root for Chip everywhere he goes because of the Oregon stuff? Yeah, I, I'm still mad that he left Oregon in the first place. I think that if he would have stayed there, he would have had years and years and years of success, and there would have been multiple national championships. But th- I Ooh, digress. Can I we're ask under, you something We're under that. Coach Lanning now. It's yeah. all good going forward. Let me ask you something okay. on that real quick. It was certainly lightning at a moment in the bottle that he captured and he put everything out there of just like, this is how we're doing offense. Mm-hmm. This is how fast we move. You, you seem kind of confident he wins a title, not a very strong recruiter. He had people around him before that though. Uh, yeah. It he, wasn't like they, I mean, he wasn't even recruiting at a Mario level. Uh, no, but rec- you think he wins a title if he stays at Oregon? I don't know if I'm convinced of that. I mean, we're talking, 10 15 years ago so, mm-hmm. so in that landscape yes i do but but changing now into the way that nal goes like no i obviously not he would have he would have been passed over because he just his time simply is done for not wanting to recruit he's not a recruiter I, yeah i think that's kind of my thing of like are you sure he wins a title i'm not convinced because he doesn't okay. he's never cared about recruiting i mean that's that that's his prerogative but it is also his prerogative to hire people that do maybe going forward uh in this new world of money you know the the willie lyle's uh recruiting lists type of scandals don't really happen as often so so <laughs> I, I mean it's really just a case of he was dealing with stuff that everybody else was it was just you know stuff that was behind closed doors that wasn't really allowed yet. So, so I, I I'm not really too high on his recruiting. Let's, let's either, do this. But he allowed had, yet? He you know, allowed, allowed, quote unquote. Yeah. yeah, air quotes. <laughs> you can see that on YouTube. So I'm not really too high on his recruiting, but I don't care because there were people around him that were able to get that done. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm a Chip Kelly offensive guy, and once again, going to Seattle. Yeah, it'll make me a Seahawks fan immediately. I I would probably not drop my Rams fandom, but. I would shift to being a Seahawks supporter because you of would Chip you would that maybe drop fan you know you didn't say drop completely yeah. but yeah. you would pivot within your own division as a fan of the Rams yeah to rooting for the Seahawks over your team because of their offensive coordinator tell me why Chip Kelly is not the perfect offensive coordinator for any NFL team I, I don't think that there's a world where he doesn't come in innovate. And make the offense look way more I don't, exciting. You think as, he's an innovator still? I don't. I'm not, I think he's got a good offense. I don't think he's an innovator. I, 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 I don't think that he's had the chance in the last 10 years to spend the time while he's a head coach, while he's doing all this extra crap that he doesn't want to do. Because he's essentially running... He is there. Of he's, Forty people. But he's he not was their coordinator in UCLA. I get it, but but how much time is he actually sitting down? I think all of it based on his recruiting rankings. I don't think he was doing the other coaching stuff. I think all he did was do offense. I don't know, man. When you're working with guys that um, 
it, it's hard to get a, a buy-in when you're Chip Kelly in the way that you are. I, I just I think that the game has passed him by as a head coach. But as an offensive coordinator, he is still an innovator. He innovated once. I'm not saying he's going to change the entire offense of the NFL. He's not. But he's going to make an offense look more exciting. He's going to take some undervalued weapons, and he, he's actually going to turn them into positives for teams. I I don't know how that I'm curious how it'd be met in Seattle. I've I've said this before. I was interning in Seattle when they hired Pete Carroll mm-hmm. and I had to take phones that that day. It was okay. like, yo, breaking news. Yeah, Softy screams in an hour early. Make sure all the show stuff is ready to go. We got Pete Carroll. And I'm taking all the phone calls and it was like, Hey, this is Mike and Bothell. I can't believe we hired this guy. He's a joke. Hey, this is Steve in Bellevue. Pete Carroll sucks. Like it, it would that that was most of the phone calls I was taking. Well, that that didn't age well. I don't I don't know if the reaction would be quite like that because McDonald running the defense, I think makes Seahawks fans certainly feel good. But I said this before: if Chips, I don't think Chips an innovator, but I think Chips' offense is good and he's smart enough where all he has to do is focus on the schematics of offense. There's no recruiting. There's no booster meeting that you got to attend at seven from seven to nine p.m. None of that. Sure you don't got to memorize fifty-five people's names because they gave you, you know, a hundred and fifty thousand dollar donation. None of that. It's all gone. It's like, yo, you're just gonna football. That's all you're gonna do. Just football, and then you tell us what kind of personnel you're kind of trying to need for your offense. I think it can be fine. Uh, the quarterback thing is interesting with Geno, his season, not quite what it was, but big news. Chip Kelly might be a Seahawk offensive coordinator with Mike McDonald. I'm down. I can't believe you're going to abandon. Then you're not a very strong Rams fan is kind of what I would say to that. Um, It seems like you're like, I'm a Rams fan, but it doesn't seem like you are. You're going to abandon it for a team within your division all because of an OC. I just can't you just root for Chip to be good, except against your team and then, like, still be a Rams fan? I mean, I'm still going to be a Rams fan, but I struggle with this, too, because it's, like, geographically, I feel like I should be a Seahawks fan. You know, everybody asks me, like, why are you a Rams fan? It's because they were in L.A. when my dad was oh, a kid. Oh, you're not the guy that's like, oh, they're the closest I should root for them? You're that? That's that's your I'm, sports I'm the, fandom? I, uh, the sports fandom for me is They're just, not our home team. It's who I'm connected with the most. But but my Blazers here in Portland was as a kid who I connected mm. with the most. And then growing up, loving the Oregon Ducks. I mean, I have that geographic connection, but at the same time, it is tough because there are other sports fandoms that I do feel like I should be, I, I should hold steady to. But I, I, don't, I, I don't really think that I'm throwing the Rams under the bus by saying, no, I want to shift to root for Chip Kelly because this would be an awesome move. There there are people in sports that we all root for, right? There are teams, and then there are specific players and coaches. And Chip, for me, he's just one of those coaches. It's like why Dame going to the Bucs makes me a Bucs fan more than a Blazers fan right now. Same reason. Chip Mm. Kelly going to the Seahawks would make me, it would pique my interest, make my sports pants tight, and make me watch a lot more Seahawks games, for sure. Uh, NFL Zig or Zag is next on The Fan. This is a Super Week edition of Dirt and Spray. Brought to you by George McCoy at WarrenAllen.com. On 1080 The Fan. We got some uh, Super Bowl stuff to get into today. Eric Eager of Sumer Sports is going to join us at 7.30. We got Tyler Fulgham of ESPN Bet at 8. Uh, we will get to the Shade and Sharp news. No, I did not uh, forget to talk about that today. Shade and Sharp with the abdominal injury. 
Yeesh. Going to have surgery, no timeline of recovery. We'll talk about that. Uh, but it's time for NFL Zig or Zag. It is a hump day. Let's zig or zag, Schultze. I got some uh, juicy ones to throw at you. Uh, I think we have some NFL bed music for this. I can't remember which one it is, but uh, would have been helpful if Swag sent you an email. There we go. Yeah, I got you. Still would have been nice for you to have, like, you know, hey, Schultze, don't forget this, this, this. I mean, I've done the show before. I, I know you have. I, I should know this by you know, now. But, yeah, but part of the deal is, like, helping the next person when he steps out for his second job. Uh, let's start for NFL Zig or Zag. Schultze, head coach of the Chiefs, Andy Reid, is going into this game with a 641 career winning percentage and a 610 playoff winning percentage. If he wins Sunday, he has three titles, a coach of the year, two different teams to a Super Bowl. Zig or Zag, Andy Reid will ride off into the sunset if the Chiefs win. Mm, I'm going to say Zig on that. I will take it. He's not addressing the rumors because I... He did yesterday. He said... Uh, it's not the time. It's not today. He it, said today's not the day. That's what I'm saying. It, it, not addressing it like he's pushing it off. It, it, that's... For me, that's not addressing it. I do think if he he gets this Super Bowl win, there's really no reason for him to come back. Although, I wish that he would. I want Andy Reid to coach Pat Mahomes for the next five to seven seasons. I love having Andy Reid in the NFL. I do, and I, I wish that he would become the greatest NFL head coach of all time over Bill Belichick. You know, I get it. Bill was great with Tom, but he's kind of a very, very boring and talk to the trainer and annoying head coach to listen to. So no, I, I, I would I would hope that he zags on this, but I think it's going to be a zig. Uh, Schultz, never in my life did I think we'd find anything as wild as Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl against the greatest show on turf. Sorry to bring it up. It's okay. But here we are. Brock Purdy has a chance to win a Super Bowl on Sunday. Zig or zag, we have not talked enough about Mr. Irrelevant starting in the Super Bowl. Mr. Irrelevant, the dead last pick. I'm going to ask Eager this at 7.30. What is the percentage chances that the last pick of the entire draft is not only a quarterback, but going to be your starter and in year two take help take the team to the Super Bowl? I'll say Zig. I'll, I do think that Brock Purdy needs some more credit here. I understand that the offense is talented for the Niners. We get it. Their weapons are just endless. Their line's good. Their defensive front sets them up for success on the offensive side. They got sacks like galore 30 to 40 amongst the defensive linemen alone. But Brock is something at least that makes that team go. You think Sam Darnold could be doing this? You think Trey Lance could be doing this? I mean, it's not like they have endless amounts of options that you can just throw out with this offense and it's going to make it work. I'm, I, I don't know. Brock Purdy's awesome. Zig on it. I, I wish that they will they would pay him regardless of whether or not they're going to win. Uh, we know Patrick Mahomes is amazing, one of the greatest starts in sports history by an athlete. If the Chiefs win Sunday, they win their third title in five years. Schultze, zig or zag, if Mahomes gets his third ring, you will officially believe he can pass Tom Brady with seven. Mm. He'd need to win eight to pass Brady. He's 26 right now? Yes. Third title in five years if they win on Sunday. Zig. 
Boy, you're zigging a lot, aren't you? I don't. I don't know. You like what I'm putting down? You're not do. zagging at all. Well, I, I, I don't want to just say that. Oh, I hate but Pat Mahomes, so that there's no way that this is going to happen. I say zig very, uh, very carefully because this offense obviously ain't what it used to be. They did win a Super Bowl without Tyree Kill. However, Travis Kelsey is getting older. He has been yeah. the main weapon for Pat Mahomes. I guess that's the only question. Can they replace Travis Kelsey with another Kelsey-like, with another Gronkowski-like tight end that is just the do-all, end-all, be-all for that offense other than your quarterback? If so, I say Zig. So so I'll, I'll, I'll add a caveat to this. Zig if they can find a replacement for Travis Kelsey. No, there's no Zag caveat. No, there's no caveat. All right, well then, Zig. I'll just stay I'll just You're going to stay, gonna with stay Zig. Okay. I think that he is that good. God, eight rings would be insane. It is, but... Eight in football? Like that? I don't. I, I'd have to. I think naturally just Zach because football is football. But three and five is. It's just an insane start to a career. Even in the NFL of parity right now, yeah. six straight AFC champions. You're gonna pick them next year to win the AFC. I don't care who the coach or yeah. even where Kelsey is. You're gonna pick them because fifteen's gonna scare you too much. Exactly. Final one for you. Kyle Shanahan's had a ton of success so far as the Niner coach. Four NFC title games in five seasons. It's his second Super Bowl appearance. If the Niners fall, zigger zag Schultze. He won't win a Super Bowl as the 49ers head coach. Hmm. I'm going to say Zag. No, I don't think that he. this is his only shot. Shanahan's good. He's built something up there. It's hard to keep getting back here, man. Like, look at the Eagles. Well, Everybody wrote for, the Eagles in. Trade for Pat Mahomes and you'll be fine, right? Yeah, I'm sure Kansas City's going to just willingly give him up for anything. I don't know. If Kansas City has to move on from Andy Reid, then uh, may- maybe Kyle Shanahan can go take that gig right now. I'm just oh, kidding. That would be a knife in the back for Niner fans. Joe Montana <laughs> 2.0 head coaching style. Ooh. That would be hard. No, I-, I don't think this is Shanahan's only shot. I understand that this is the NFL, as I was just saying, the league of parity. However, if you got good enough players that are – amazing enough from year to year which i mean brock purdy's really good he's still young people still aren't sold on him yet but that offense we know what they are and as long as they can keep those guys together and i do believe they've got two more seasons of a cheap brock purdy then yeah they've got another shot all right there's nfl zigger zag we do it every wednesday at 6 45 loaded second hour of the radio program a lot to discuss eric eager of sumer sports will join us at 7 30 dirt and sprague hour two on the odyssey app the fan and youtube call from mom Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
It's football's biggest week. I know it's Vegas, and it's a lot of fun, but for us, it's, it's a business trip in the true sense, and we're going there to play a football game and, and try to find our way to win it. I think that's going to be the mindset uh, starting today. The Chiefs are in their, their, what, their fourth Super Bowl in five years. While we might be under the radar, I guess, to people on the outside, I think the Chiefs are very aware that we're not under the radar at all. This is a Super Week edition of Dirt and Spray. Brought to you by George McCoy at WarrenAllen.com. Injured? Don't trust just anyone to something so personal. Call George McCoy at Warren Allen. Online at warrenallen.com. Super Week with Dirt and Sprague on 1080. We know we're seeing something special. The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Our numero dos here on The Fan. 1080 AM, 99.5 HD2. The Odyssey app and YouTube.com slash 1080 The Fan. Uh, we'd like to remind you that you can reach the show at the Vancouver Ford text line, 503-864-6326. They teach you right before, during, and after the sale. Visit them for more information at VancouverFord.com. And don't forget, if you're interested, we have, we'd like to invite you to play in our first Fan Winter Golf Classic out at X-Golf Tualatin or Vancouver Tuesday, February 27th. It's a threesome. You have noon round or 4 p.m. round to choose from. Danny and Dusty and Isaac Atsuk will be live at both locations, Tualatin and Vancouver. Uh, winning threesome gets invited to our Fan Golf Classic in the summer. The biggest loser will get free lessons at X Golf. There'll be food for golfers from Victorico's and Pro Catering. Uh, all golfers will play the historic Pebble Beach course on the state of the art simulator. Go to 1080thefan.com for more details. We got Eric Eager. I'm eagerly awaiting to talk to Eric. Nah, dad jokes galore. At 7.30, he runs uh, Sumer Sports with Thomas Dimitrov, the former GM of the Atlanta Falcons, famously uh, the GM of the team that blew the 28-3 lead. And uh, the OC of that team seems to get more blame for that loss than anybody else connected to it. Huh. Isn't that weird? I've, oh, I have, look, I, I am biased in some ways. I'm telling you I'm biased. Uh, I always found that a little odd, how it was only Kyle Shanahan's fault. You know, Dan Quinn was coaching that defense, right? And the players themselves on the field, like, come on. It's like, oh, if they, they called the correct plays, the players wouldn't have given well, up a huge lead. Why, why is he throwing the football? Oh, yeah, he scored 28 points on the Patriots. You know, that seems like it's a decent amount to win the football game. Maybe the defense shouldn't. Anyways, I digress. The OC of that team, now the head coach of the Niners, seems to get all the blame for that. Um, but Eric Eager is going to join us at 730. Is Andy Reid done? is something I want to talk about. There's a story at ESPN with people in his life saying, oh, I don't know about that, man. I don't know. He was asked, and he said, well, today's not the day. And when I heard that, I was like, mm, I know how you said that. And that can still mean that after Sunday, it's the time. But I'm with you largely. We'll talk about Andy Reid coming up. Uh, did this coach leave a team in worse shape? We'll talk about that in this hour as well. But let's start with the unfortunate, the bummer news, Shaden Sharp needing surgery. And the timeline for his return with the abdominal strain surgery, this is something similar. I, I, I'm not going to speak to the nature. Is it similar to Dame's? Is it like less than? They didn't say out for the year. The timeline is kind of open-ended. Reevaluation after the procedure. Yeah. yeah, well, they also reevaluate. They were time on amping him up and getting him ready. And then as they announced yesterday during the workout and buildup, he re-aggravated. So surgery is the option for him. The seventh pick in the draft two years ago uh, has not played in quite some time. 
it what sucks is when you go through this and one of the pieces that's really important to the future doesn't play. And I don't I don't know if he's coming back this year. Again, open ended. But Schultze, a big bummer to learn and discover yesterday that he was gonna need surgery and he's gonna miss at least significant time. He was invited to that rising you know, rookie. I don't even know what they call it anymore. Is it the rookie all-star rising game? Stars, rising I, stars. I don't even know. It used to be the rising the stars. The format's challenge. weird now. There's like four groups of them. I the NBA all-stars getting dumber by the year. Panini rising stars. That's... Yeah, but it's a different format. Like four different teams or something. Anyways, he's not gonna play in that. Scoot will. Bummer news. Shaden Sharp out for an extended period. He's gonna have surgery on his abdominal injury. Yeah, for the Blazers, obviously, in a year that they're just trying to, it would seem, evaluate talent. It, it, these are the games where you want Shaden to get 30, 35 minutes, and you just see what he does over the course of 60 to 80 games, right? So I think in that regard, definitely sucks uh, from the Blazers' front office perspective. I know Chauncey isn't really trying to, like, win every game, but, you know, there are times you can see that he is trying to put the best roster out there, and they are trying to be competitive. He's playing so. the vets a lot in these crunch time moments. Yeah. I, I disagree with you. I think he is trying to win games. Really? I, I'm Not every single game, but, like, when it becomes obvious that they can win, I do think he tries. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, what yeah, I'm if saying. If they're within a striking distance. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm kidding. To me, striking distance is, like, within 16. That's what the NBA is now. Oh, yeah. When we were young, 16 was in the fourth, the start of the fourth quarter. I know, the Blazer-Laker game. Outside of that, largely the fourth quarter, you're down 16. The game's over. Everybody's mm-hmm. shooting bad twos, and threes weren't valued the way that they are now. and So that game's over. Well, not so much anymore. It's You're still in it. I think Chauncey still does want to win it. But that's, isn't that the part of this process that sucks? It's yeah. like not only Shaden can't play, you're supposed to evaluate this. This These are... Organizational decisions, Schultz, that changes the trajectory of all of it. And he's not playing. I'm I'm just brought up his game log now. I want to see his last game because he's been out so long. Yeah, he's been out since January 11th. He played against Oklahoma City. That was that 62-point drubbing that they took and in es- OKC. Essentially, you got to give more minutes to Kamara and Rupair, you know, like which are good young guys to see, but you want Shaden out there during this season for as many minutes as possible. He was playing 36, 37, 31, 32, depending on what you want to do there, and then it dropped to 24-7. I think that's when it... I think it was a nagging injury is what happened, yeah. and then eventually the buildup was just so bad that he's like, oh, I can't play anymore. Uh, I remember those last couple games. I, I just... I don't know, man. I um, The deadline's tomorrow. I don't know if they're going to make a move. Maybe they will. Maybe they will trade Malcolm Brogdon. He, uh, I saw a quote yesterday, and I forget who I saw it from, so apologies, but I saw a quote from Malcolm where it was might have been Holdall, mm-hmm. and Malcolm was like, I'm not focused on the trade. I just want to play basketball. I want to be in Portland. Like He really seems like a guy that likes just kind of being low-key, playing ball with some good dudes. Just vibing, kind of hooping. I don't know if they're going to trade him, but this is the element of rebuilds that nobody can account for. You can't put into the math, hey, we're going to lose one of the more critical pieces for a very long time. And when you watch, if this is it for him, if Shaden is done for the year, how are you evaluating the season just as a fan? Is has this been a success to you? He's averaging 16 points, five boards, three assists. 40% shooting, uh, and for the year from three-point, uh, I'd have to go look it up because I'm on the game log. Uh, from three, he is shooting 
35%. How how do you evaluate this? He's also played 32 games. Mm-hmm. 32 in an 82-game season. He's 50 games shy of where the season's going to be, potentially, if he is out for the year. And again, he might not be. But if this is it for him, like, how do you evaluate that? That's It's hard for us. It's got to be, in a way, it's got to be kind of even harder for Joe. Not that he's in some panic mode to to make a real drastic decision on anything for next year in regards to Shaden, but it changes a little bit of the calculus, I think, when you lose a guy for 50 games in a season. Well, yeah, trying to evaluate a young player as well as missing 50 games. I mean, you can't, you can't like sneeze at the fact that that development, you know, for 50 games is gone. He's still 20, 21 years old. This is a really important time of his career. And, you know, as far as the games played, like, I, I get it. Like, these guys, I preface this by saying that I've seen, like, Wesley Matthews' feet after a game. You know, I've seen these guys putting it all out on the court. You know, 82 games in a season in an NBA game over and over and over, That that's tough. That That's not going, like, to your rec court at the whatever gym on the weekends and playing two pickup games like these guys are professional athletes they leave it when they have to go out there and and put their bodies on the line they do but you wonder if there's going to be some concerns starting to pop up that we're here in rip city maybe a decade a decade and a half ago is can this team keep these rosters healthy i understand yeah you know like ding ups happen, little things are across the season that you're gonna you're gonna get dinged up here and there. You're gonna have a pulled muscle. There's gonna be things that keep you from being a hundred percent and playing eighty two games. But you should be shooting for seventy. I mean, I understand that there's this whole debate over what Tyrese Halliburton was recently saying. Well, it's the sixty five game yeah, threshold the, for and, bonuses and saying that that's stupid. However. You don't get a chance as a young player to be evaluated if you're not playing that many games. So it's not even just the awards. <laughs> it's it's really making sure that your team can actually put a product out there. And so once again, I'm not trying to just bag on all these players saying, well, you should be playing injured. I understand the effort that it takes. But you wonder, you know, core injuries repeatedly. Dame had a core injury last year that he needed surgery on. Shaden's having an injury this year. Two he, years ago. Yeah. Excuse me. Two years ago. My yeah. bad. Uh, but But you just wonder. It, with the Blazers not being healthy nearly at all this season, minus like two games, Robert Williams went out earlier in the year. I do go back and you look at the mishandling of Ray Godin way, way long ago, giving him inserts in his foot when he in his shoe when he really didn't need them, and 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 that difference in the height in his legs actually wasn't a big deal until the Blazers made it a big deal. Like Portland doesn't have a history of handling injuries well, so uh, I do at some point start to get skeptical and wonder what the hell is going on. Why any of these guys well, can't play more than four? 40 games. Yeah, well, to all that, I mean, they have a different medical staff entirely from that era. I don't, I don't think there's a correlation. I think it's just luck. I mean, that's just kind of what and it they've is. They've got some of the worst luck. Yeah, they do. I mean, somebody pointed world. out. I think the last time they were in the finals, the Bushwhackers were the tag team champions of the world for the WWF, and we was even the WWE. Yeah. It's it's been a long time, which is certainly why people, I think, in this market, Schultz, say, "Wake me when they're good." But what I'll say to that though is, th- this is the part of it that's. Um, this is the part that's challenging is you can say to yourself, well, we're not going like, to – Danny says this a lot. They don't want to be the process Sixers. That's fine. I, I, I don't want to be the process Sixers either. You know that's not the only bad franchise though, right? Like It's not like the Kings were the process Sixers every year. And that's kind of been my point on the rebuild is you can certainly build it up properly. You can evaluate talent. You can put the right pieces together. This thing can get geared in the right direction. But I also, like, there's not 
there's not like this. In, there's there's an in between between playoff, you know, and then contender playoff team, playoff team, play in team. Not great, not consistent, good team, and process Sixers. There's a few steps in between these. And so, like, you might not be the process Sixers. You could also be the Sacramento Kings, the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's not every year these teams are winning just 10 games. Like, there are seasons where the Kings were barely missing the playoffs. Or they're winning, like, 39 or 42. And Look at the Pelicans like, resurgence. Sure, right. But what I'm saying is, like, just as many people that say, well, they're not the process Sixers. They could be a playoff team. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's also examples of teams that just could not piece it together, whether that's injury, bad decision-making, what have you. That is also in the cards here. And I think it's just easy to dismiss, but, well, it's a rebuild. They're not going to win right away. Okay, cool. And then you go year four, year five, year six. At what point does it become enough with the excuse-making, the youth, et cetera? And I don't think it's the easiest to navigate the waters of a rebuild. And this Shaden injury is kind of one of them. This is a key figure or a key position and player of your franchise going forward. If he doesn't play the rest of the year, he missed 50 games this year. That's huge for evaluation. So they're in a tough spot right now in that front office. And yeah, they, they, I'm not saying there's pressure. I'm just saying, like, it's it's got to be difficult to evaluate everything they have to evaluate. And now you've got this injury, unfortunately, you have to deal with. Uh, let's pivot back to the NFL. Is Andy Reid going to be done? Are we ready for this? Is this a possibility? Next on the fan. This is a Super Week edition of Dirt and Spray. Brought to you by George McCoy at WarrenAllen.com. On 1080 The Fan. Eric Eager of Sumer Sports is going to join us coming up here in 10 minutes. I was texting with one of uh, <laughs> one of Dirt's buddies, and he was just telling me how close it's been to Mahomes having more than what he has. I mean, if D Ford's not lined up wrong, they beat the Patriots. I think most people probably pick the Chiefs to win that one. And then I text, yeah, and if his offensive line isn't bang to hell, I'm picking them to beat Tampa. Like, it's, you know, it's that it's that thin a margin. It's that uh, small a gap between him having maybe three on Sunday to him maybe having, like, four and five. And, you know, like, that's what greatness does. And part of that greatness is having good leadership. Andy Reid's an interesting one to me. He's a I, one of he's got to be one of the highest approval ratings of a coach in the NFL, if not the highest. I mean, who hates Andy Reid? Why do you hate Andy Reid? Unless you're anti cheeseburger, I don't know why anybody would hate Andy Reid. He's fun. He's jolly. He's got a great mustache. He's fantastic on those TV commercials. I mean, his mustache was frozen solid during that playoff game. I don't know if that was sweat or if those were boogers, but that mustache was icy. And Andy Reid's got this kind of thing around him right now where it's it's a little noisy of what is he going to do? Well, there's an ESPN story out of people very close in his life, one of them being the general manager, saying there's no indication that he's done. Uh, he has a quote in here where <laughs> he goes to his beach house in California during the offseason right before training camp, and he basically says, some people read novels, I watch football plays. And every day he spends two hours watching film, coming up with concepts, etc. He's just obsessed with football. Football is Andy Reid's life. He went to Italy last summer, and somebody said, "Well, what'd you do there?" He's like, "I ate my way from the south to the north." Like Andy Reid finds things to do, 
but nobody can quite lock him down on doing something non-football. Football is just who he is. And I'm, I'm, I keep wondering, despite this article, and he was asked at the media session, hey, is this it? And he says, well, not today's not the day. I hope he stays. I think he's fun to have in the NFL. I also am not going to be shocked if he does retire. It's, it's, it's loud for a reason. And maybe it's just loud because it's, he's older and, you know, it's kind of the natural question we ask these coaches of a certain age, Schultze. But the noise seems to be, no, 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 no. But it's almost like, well, then why is, why is it noisy at all? If it was no doubt he's coming back, I find it interesting that the questions are asked, that people are writing articles about it. It, it has a little bit of a, could he be riding off into the sunset after this game if they win? I mean, you wonder why the initial questions are being raised. You always think, well, are agents throwing some rumors out there? Do they want negotiating power? To, you know, he get... doesn't need exactly. He is the Chiefs. He doesn't need yeah, that. Yeah, he, he, who's going to go hire him and pay him more money and give him a better situation in the NFL? Nobody. So, so that's out. He will retire a Chief when or if ever he does, unless he gets desperate at 74 to want to keep coaching. Yeah. He will retire a Chief. I, I just like, the Chiefs are not... He doesn't need to leverage the Chiefs. The Chiefs have given him everything for this. And, I mean, then you, you start to say, well, what else could it be? Uh, there's age. He's 65. He'll be 66 in March. There's, of course, the two recent guys, 72 and 73, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll, that, you know, kind of got put out to pasture because they're getting older. Reed's Jobless, not, yeah. Yeah, Reed's not there yet, but you do start to at least hear some rumblings as guys get into their mid to late 60s, I feel like, in the NFL, especially now in the age where, you know, we're hiring the Mike McDonald's, we're hiring all yeah. these, you know, young Just The McVeighs, the Shall Shanahan's, et cetera, the McDaniels, yeah. It, it, exactly, young yeah. 30s, young, you know, maybe 40 at this point. Like, that almost seems old, so it's not surprising to me that maybe just because the age he is he was in philly for i think like 14 years this is his 11th or 12th year in kansas city been coaching in the nfl for the last 25 at some point there are questions out there that, that are worthy to be asked like hey you know are you thinking about it do you want to ride off into the sunset on top you know like john elway do you want to try and just you know like bill cower did it exactly you... it with uh the the steelers in 05 in detroit you know jerome bettis is from detroit uh, <laughs> hadn't heard that. The bus. And uh, he won in 05. That was it for him. And then in comes Mike Tomlin. Uh, so, you know, not every coach gets, I mean, Belichick, you think Belichick wanted to end the Patriot run that way? Uh, no, they, they tore the jersey off of him, essentially. Here's the difference, though. Belichick had an aging quarterback. Yeah. And while many people question Tom Brady, it still kind of felt like, well, 20 years, it's an awful long time for that to go. It's interesting where they're at, Mahomes and Reed. I think somebody had said Mahomes is 28 on the uh, the YouTube chat. 27, 28. I don't know what if whatever he's yeah, in. he's incorrectly said 26. Okay, that's fine. Bad. But he's he's not even 30 yet. No, it, it's kind of like a perfect balance where Reed is older and veteran and a little more laid back, and he allows Patrick Mahomes to be Patrick Mahomes. Like he's got a great working relationship with his quarterback. Belichick didn't want to end that way. Very rarely do coaches get to go out on top. And I'm not yeah. saying that he's going to retire. Again, the noise is largely pointing to, no, he's still got a lot of football in him. But it wouldn't be the most shocking thing to me, given that there is some noise, 
if that's what he ultimately decides to do if they win on Sunday. Do you think there are ever similar questions about Andy Reid um, that there are about Bill, Bill Belichick? Because you see all the quotes on social media, at least uh, not really from the national media, just from keyboard warriors that say, well, Bill wouldn't have won without Tom Brady. He'd be nothing without that quarterback. Well, but, yeah. are, are people going to say the same thing about Andy Reid? Well, like, I, I, I don't think it's... It's not really an important thing to debate, and people talk about it, but it's not important to me. Okay. A great coach is a great coach because he also has a great quarterback or an all-time team. Uh, Joe Gibbs is maybe the most underrated given that he won three different Super Bowls with three different starting quarterbacks. That's an amazing feat that I would be willing to wager we don't see again. Uh, None of that matters to me. What matters is... When does he hang him up? How does he decide to do it? Does he go out on top? All of that stuff is sitting here looming. But he's got a quarterback who's 28. He doesn't have to rush that decision, nor does it feel like he will. The other thing he has over Belichick, and we'll go here because we got Eric Eager. He is growing and evolving with the game. Mm-hmm. And Belichick's a good defensive mind, no doubt. His staff kept being the same. It was like, I'm, billing, I'm bringing Bill O'Brien back. I want Josh McDaniels. Joe Judge, come on down. Matt Patricia, you need... It was the same cronies. And none of that was working. But he refused to get off it. uh, Reed, at least, surrounds himself with a younger, good staff. I mean, God, look at Spags, right? And he's got Patrick Mahomes. So I I just think they're they're aging differently because their circumstance and the way that they decide to do it. You're going to have to hold a uh, take you got. Just tiny, tiny. If if I'm Andy Reid, I am starting to look at Bill Belichick. I'm starting to see that in my sights. Like, hmm, I could catch that. Uh, it's hard. To, I don't think I'm thinking about that. I think I'm just like, I got Patrick Mahomes. This is awesome. Uh, Eric Eager, Sumer Sports, joins us. What do the numbers say about this matchup? Next on The Fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. In this wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. This is the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about, and some you haven't. How'd you do that? I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker with Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. All right, let's go to Vegas and talk to our good friend Eric Eager of Sumer Sports. It's analytically based. It is great information, some of the best you're going to find out there. Eric is on Twitter at Eric Eager with an underscore at the end. Give him a follow uh, on Twitter. Check out SumerSports.com. Their Super Bowl preview just came out. Uh, Eric, good morning. Was was this the matchup you were hoping for going into conference championship weekend? Well, my, my preseason uh, Super Bowl pick was Bill's Lions. So 
obviously I would have loved to see the Lions make it. Um, they've, you know, going from 32 years without uh, winning even a playoff game to making the Super Bowl would have been a treat for their fans. But, you know, Chiefs are, a, you know, they're the dynasty right now. Uh, they, they, this kind of feels like that last Patriots Super Bowl in 2018 where they kind of slept walked all year. Uh, but in the playoffs, they kind of did what the, you know, the Bron Cavs do, which is like overperform their regular season metrics. And, and this Niners team has been the best team in the NFC the entire season. And uh, so I think they're deserving of being here, even though uh, they took a circuitous route through Green Bay and Detroit. Let me ask you, because we, we've had you on going back to your PFF days, and, and Sumer Sports has been awesome uh, since you started it up. I, for such a numbers guy, and, and you guys really dive into it, Sumer Sports, I, I'm curious, not to say the term irrelevant, but like the numbers are the numbers. But Patrick Mahomes has to make a lot of analytics like, well, yeah, this is the other team, but they have Mahomes. I just wonder how you balance the analytics versus what Patrick Mahomes just in general himself means to a game, whether numbers back it up or not, what Mahomes is versus what numbers say. Yeah, it's crazy. I, you know, the, the weirdest stat going into the, this week is in the regular season, Brock Purdy averaged 9.9 yards of pass attempt, which is the best we've seen since Kurt Warner in 2000 um, for a regular starter. The Patrick Mahomes is 7.0. So whenever Brock Purdy throws a pass and, and Patrick Mahomes throws a pass, it's three more yards per play this year. And yet we get to the playoffs and – I think if this game was played in the regular season, the Niners would be favored by a, a touchdown, six points, seven points, and yet we see this game painted at about two, two and a half throughout the marketplace. And some of that is the Chiefs, you know, figuring out the penalty problem, the turnover problem over the course of the postseason, the Niners looking a little bit weaker. But some of that is just the, yeah, people are hesitant to go up against Patrick Mahomes in the betting markets. They're hesitant to go up against him, you know, sort of in general. And, and a lot, and he's given us ample, you know, uh, reasons to, to do so. I mean, 14 interceptions in the regular season, career high. He hasn't even thrown, you know, whether you look at PFF or any other vendor, he hasn't even thrown an interceptable pass in the postseason. Jeez Louise, <laughs> that's an unbelievable stat. Eric Eager, our guest here, sumersports.com on Twitter, at Eric Eager underscore. Okay, there's a million stats. I don't want to just pin you to one. I know you look at all of them. Is there one, though, statistic and metric between the teams that is standing out for you, and who is it for? Who is who is the lean on, on that analytic? Yeah, that one is one. I think the other one is the Chiefs have two players who have, have more than 500 yards receiving in the regular season. That's Kelsey and that's Rice. Uh, a, a couple you know, statistical anomalies there in their offense. Isaiah Pacheco is, has the most Chiefs rushing yards since 2017. Rashi Rice has the most receiving yards of any Andy Reid rookie ever, all the way back to Philadelphia, and Travis Kelsey missed 1,000 yards. It was a weird year for the Chiefs offense, and yet they've been able to coalesce during this postseason. I think that that is – Again, when you think about you know, statistics that kind of uh, paint a picture of how weird this game is, it's the fact that nothing really went right for the Chiefs offensively all season, yet uh, you know, it looked kind of old hat uh, the last three games. That, uh, that Chiefs defense is getting a lot of you know, talk. Spags has been awesome. That defense is largely what's led them to this point. I know Mahomes has been really good in the playoffs, as you mentioned, hasn't even thrown an interceptable ball. But the defense is getting a lot of the attention this year, and I, I believe rightfully so. What is the matchup for San Francisco offense versus that Chiefs defense that you would say 
That's the weakness of the Kansas City defense. This is the area that San Francisco has to try to expose. It's just the run game. And that was, you know, the the crazy part about the Ravens, right? If the Ravens would have just stuck to running the football to their running backs, I think on, on conference championship weekend, they probably would have won. Uh, the Chiefs, you know, are bottom half of the league team in, in any rushing statistic against. Uh, that's the kind of defense they play. They're a team that gives up a decent amount of first downs, about league average in terms of success, in terms of series success, but they're second in points a lot, meaning they're a lot allowing teams to run the football on them until they get bored and try to throw on them. And then they're too good defensively in the back end uh, to, to uh, give up too many passing plays. And so if the Niners, you know, they have a ton of advantages, whether you look at, in, you know, inside zone runs, Chiefs are one of the worst defenses against them. Niners are great at them with the Shanahan stuff. But, you know, this is also the mystique of Mahomes. Like, teams look at him and they want to make their quarterback into him in, in those uh, matchups, and it always screws, you know, screws them over in the end because, you know, the other, these other teams get to these positions because they leverage their quarterback in ways that are different than Mahomes. Why do you think the Ravens abandoned it so quick? I that threw me off. I'm not as uh, you know. You're you're one of the best minds I think in analytics right now. I I don't know nearly the amount of information with the numbers as you do, but like I'm watching as a football fan, I'm like, really, six total carries for two running backs for the number one rushing offense in football. Why do you think the Ravens were bumped off of a game plan so quickly? It, it kind of reminded me of the 2010 Super Bowl where Bruce Arians was trying to like put ben, Big Ben in the Hall of Fame and you know <laughs> threw a, kind of ran plays to accentuate him as opposed to uh, be efficient and win football games. They got behind too quickly, uh, and much like the Ravens did. I, I thought there were there were times when he asked Lamar to do too much in the passing game, and I get that. Like that you pay Lamar over 50 million a year. You want him to exercise some of those demons, not only win the win-loss record, but also in the aesthetic uh, record. But you're not going to get by the Chiefs playing anything less than optimal. So, to me, it was a huge head-scratcher. They were never down by more than 10. Like, you should never get out of your game plan uh, in those situations. But it, it, they looked like they abandoned it immediately, which is crazy given that they had, you know, a big run to Edwards, a big run to Lamar himself in the design game. Uh, early in the game, it wasn't that they were ineffective. They just went away from it. Uh, do you have a side on this game, or is it still one of those like the numbers versus like what you've seen and what you know about Mah- Like, do you have a side that you're picking on this one yet? Or are you still waiting on a prediction here? I think if you if you want to bet side or total in the Super Bowl, it's tough because the numbers are baked in. And, and I said if this game was played, you know, six weeks ago, Niners are six point favorites, so you're clearly not getting a necessarily huge value on the Chiefs unless you think that Mahomes overcomes all of that. But, you know, good luck betting against Mahomes in the playoffs. He's never really, you know, he's only lost one game in regulation in, all, in, in, postseason, his, in his postseason history. So that, that's, that's tough to do. I like under 47.5. The Chiefs games have all been, you know, played slow-paced, teams having eight or nine possessions. Um, and, you know, the Chiefs have kind of covered up their turnover problems over the past you know, few weeks on offense. And they don't generate a ton on defense. They only had eight interceptions all regular season. So, I think the Chiefs' defense is good in a way that's conducive to unders, and I think the 49ers' offense is going to play into that a little bit by running the football into that and churning clock. So are you taking Chiefs? You taking Niners? Where, 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 yeah, if I had to, I would wait, because I think a lot of sharp people, the, the people that you know, the markets respect, are going, to take, are going to take San Francisco. So if you like the Chiefs, which I, I do as a fan of the team, uh, you, I think you wait right until kickoff to, to take them, because I don't think you're going to get a better number uh, than then. Uh, Eric, I know you're busy. You got another hit coming up here in just a couple minutes. We appreciate the time. I'll just say, and I'll let you go, as, as you mentioned being a Chiefs fan, 
I'm a Niner fan, and like I've been telling everybody all week, I'm miserable. And when they're like, why? Your team's in the Super Bowl. I'm like, yeah. And Patrick Mahomes is in the way again. My only like saving grace is, well, it feels like most of America, outside of the big betters that you mentioned, it feels like everybody's taking the Chiefs. Every time I see a preview piece, it's like, our nine pundits pick, and it's seven of the nine are picking the Chiefs. It's my only saving grace at this point, because Patrick Mahomes truly is a nightmare. Yeah, the Niners are a great team, though. So I, I think that this is, this will be a great matchup, and the Niners are favored for a reason. I'll say that. Well, you're doing great work, man. I appreciate the time. I know you're super busy, so thanks for hopping on with us in Portland. We always appreciate it. Keep up the great work with Sumer Sports, and we'll catch up with you soon. Hey, thanks for having me. Take care. All right, there we go. Eric Eager, good friend of the show, VP of Sumer Sports, sumersports.com, S-U-M-E-R sports.com. Very analytically driven website but it does break down how the numbers stack up in this matchup. So good stuff from him. Tyler Fogum will join us from ESPN Bet at the top of the hour, get his picks and prop picks. Uh, what color Gatorade is he going to gamble on? Some of the trendy picks at ESPN Bet. He'll join us coming up. We have maybe a status story around the corner. We'll see. We'll wait and see on that one. No guarantees, but we might. Uh, but coming up next, we'll pivot from the Super Bowl did this guy leave the situation worse? Next on The Fan. This is a Super Week edition of Dirt and Spray. Brought to you by George McCoy at WarrenAllen.com. On 1080 The Fan. It's crunch time. Let's go! Where Dirt and Sprague crunch the hot topics you want to hear. What's the pressure? Don't sit here and act like there's no... We get nervous teeing off in front of a gallery on the 10th hole at Eastmoreland. Crunch time. Brought to you by Crunch Fitness. With memberships as low as $9.99 per month. Find your crunch time in Portland, Vancouver, and online at crunch.com. All right, welcome back in. Tyler Fogum will join us at 8... Possibly status story is around the corner. Uh, I wanted to uh, get to this story today. I, uh, <laughs> I like to visit Reddit pages of college football fans from time to time. And the check-in on Michigan is uh, funny. They, you know, It's all oh, great. We won the title. We beat Ohio State again. Look at us. Get out of here, Alabama. Piss off, Washington. Michigan. Big Blue. Uh, Harbaugh's left, and he's left with quite a bit. Uh, he has basically gutted that entire coaching staff. He brought the D.C. mentor with him now, is going to be the D.C. of the Chargers. And there, there was a comment that went viral on uh, one of the message boards, and it was like, okay, Jim, okay, Jim, just, just stop, stop. And I think it's a fair question to ask. I heard this about a week ago, and then more people have left. The portal's been, you know, massive for him. And a host in Detroit was saying, did he leave the program in worse shape than when he got it? I know that seems insane considering how good he was at Michigan, despite not beating Urban Meyer and Ohio State for the first couple years. But that program, I'm not saying they're going to drop and not win more than eight games. I also wouldn't be shocked if they won like eight games next year. I'm wondering if Jim Harbaugh, the guy who said, I don't know, but when I die, make sure you call me a Michigan man. Certainly not leaving Michigan in the greatest of spots after leaving for the NFL. Well, he won a national championship. Uh, so so that just, I, 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 now that's obviously the, the biggest thing that every, yeah. every major fan base wants. But when you do it and then you gut it, yeah. it's, it's a weird spot to be in, is it not? To like celebrate a title on a team that was great and came back. And then next year's team, you look and you go... I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how good we're going to be. Like, I, 
Who cares? You just won a title. You just don't care. You don't think they care? I, I mean, they, they already can- care. They just won like a month ago, and they're like, "Hey, man, this sucks." But there is, uh, I think, a kind of coming to realization of, okay, you know what? We did just win as Michigan fans. Yes, it sucks that there's turnover, but that's what happens when you're successful. I think of the the Deion Sanders speech to his Jackson State football players. You know, when he was leaving for the Colorado job, sure, either get fired or you're moving up in this business. You're either, you know, when you're succeeding, you're getting elevated to the next job. And this this was the next job for Jim Harbaugh back to the NFL to see if he can change Justin Herbert into a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Now, that doesn't mean that he left Michigan in a worse spot after winning a title. If they didn't win this year, if they put it all on the table, left their chips out, went all in and they showed a straight and the other one showed a flush. Yeah, you know what? That sucks. And no, they wouldn't have left the best spot, or they wouldn't have left the university in the best spot, Harbaugh and all those other coaches, basically leaving Sharon Moore to pick up the pieces. But I do think after the title, that kind of cures all those issues, kind of heals all those little scratches and wounds you're going to get afterwards very quickly. Because you just won a freaking title. I know, and Schultze, you have a little logic that you're saying, but I'm going to tell you, college football fans are largely miserable. You're right, because I am a mostly miserable Ducks fan. You're not wrong. Like you, you, you like Lanning. The recruiting's great. You like what you see offensively from either Dillingham or Stein. You Love got everything. a quarter. Yeah. But if you don't get to the Big Ten title game, I still want to pull my hair out. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're living college, and you're not alone here. College football yeah. fan largely is just always miserable. And winning a title is different than just getting to the playoff. I, I certainly recognize it. But if they win like eight games next year, that title you're referencing, it's going to feel like a distant memory to some of those diehards. And not that that needs to be the norm, nor should it be the norm. I think people should enjoy their lives a little more and not take every single year as if like, oh, a non-title season means it was a complete and abject failure. I think a lot of logical Michigan fans exist. There's also a lot of insane people who are looking to be miserable. And yes, they won the title, but give them three months when they look at the recruiting class, they look at the departures, they look at the coaching staff. Sharon Moore beat Ohio State. He was the coach of that team. I don't know how confident people are about Sharon Moore for an entire season of Big Ten football. It's fair. And beating Urban Meyer again, who quite clearly the the collective at Ohio State and Ryan Day, they got the memo. Stack it up. We need all of the good players, and we need all of the good players to come back. It's just, um, for such a Michigan man, he really gutted the Michigan program. And I'll be curious to see how it gets built back up, uh, considering how successful they were two years ago, getting to the playoff, and then last year finally breaking through and winning it. Roster turnover is a thing too, man. And when you got coaching changes, they they are now allowed to transfer out. So, so any good player that's left, you kind of wonder, well, all right, am I buying into Sharana? I'm not sure that that's a question, but there's probably a couple of key guys. A couple games is great. He was fun. Exactly. But now you've got a full season. What are you as a recruiter? What is your philosophy? How are you going to replace Minter on defense? Who the hell is our quarter? These are questions that everybody is already asking. They just won the title. But that's what the sport breeds, year-round recruiting and NIL and all of the portal. This is what it becomes, constantly looking at the next thing to be miserable at instead of enjoying the thing you just won. We have a lot to get into in the final hour here. We kick it off. Tyler Fulgham, 
of ESPN Bet, ESPN.com. He joins us the final hour, Dirt and Sprague, on 1080 The Fan. This is a week for quality food and beverages. I don't like beans in my chili. That's a fair debate because the ori- original chili did not have beans. What do you mean the ori- you were there when they created the <laughs> original was. chili? I was. On the Old West? Yep. Expensive commercials and stupid questions from reporters covering their first sporting event. Is your mom picking you up after the Super Bowl? This is a Super Week edition of Dirt and Sprague. Brought to you by George McCoy at WarrenAllen.com. Injured? Don't trust just anyone to something so personal. Call George McCoy at Warren Allen. Online at WarrenAllen.com. Dirt and Sprague on 1080. I'm here so I won't get found. The Fan. All right, welcome back in the final hour of the radio program. Dirt and Sprague here on YouTube, 99.5 HD2 in the Odyssey app. We're awaiting Tyler Fulgham of ESPN Bet on Twitter, at Tyler underscore Fulgham. Give him a follow. Fulgham, sorry. Tyler, good morning. Thanks for hopping on with us. How you doing? Oh, do we not have him? Do we have him? Do we have him? Do we have Tyler Fulgham? Yes, no. Tyler, can you hear us? I do. I got you guys. How you doing? Uh, we're doing okay. Thanks for hopping on with us. Sorry about that awkward intro. That's very Odyssey Portland of us to do that. Uh, there's a million ways we could go with this. I just uh, where where does where does Tyler Fulgham start when when you when you examine a matchup between Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Chiefs against the Niners, a rematch from 2019? Where do you start from the Vegas angle? How do you examine things when you start looking at the matchup? That's a great question. You guys are doing a great job. I'm glad you threw that my way because I think one of the most important things to establish for people who are just starting to bet is you've got to take a stand on how you think the game is going to go. Who's going to win? What's the final score going to be? And then compare that to what the line says, money line, spread, total, et cetera. So I think the Chiefs are going to win. Mm. I think they're going to build a lead early with their experience. And then it's going to be the Niners you know, trying to come back in the second half with a late surge as they get more comfortable and get into the game. And ultimately that will fall short and Chiefs will hold on and win with their defense. So that's the game script that I'm building. And then I fill in the chapters of that. Like I said, Chiefs building an early lead. That means in the second half, Isaiah Pacheco is running the football more. In the second half, Brock Purdy is throwing the football more. And I start betting props based on that. Some Pacheco overs, some Brock Purdy overs. Maybe he throws a pick because he's dropping back more. Devo Samuel goes over. Debo Samuel scores a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk scores a touchdown through the air. Those, that's how I start building a portfolio of all the different bets I'd make, not just in the Super Bowl, but in any football game. Tyler Fulgham, our guest here, ESPN, ESPN Bet. You can find him on Twitter at Tyler underscore Fulgham. Uh, he's joining us now. Super Bowl is on Sunday, and he's got all of the numbers. So you you start diving into props. What is your favorite prop right now? There's some popular props. Kelsey, I believe Kelsey scoring a touchdown is even money. I was kind of surprised by that. Seems like eh, kind of a no-brainer bet to take because if anybody's going to score on the Chiefs, he seems like the guy that's going to do it, even if they don't score that many points. What's the prop you like the most so far? Yeah, it's actually one of the the – According to ESPN Bet, the Kelsey on the no touchdown is one of the sharpest bets that ESPN Bet is getting. So obviously they know accounts, they know who's making these bets, and a lot of the sharp betters, the respected betters, the winners, are actually thinking the great value is a Kelsey not to score a touchdown, and that makes sense because so much of the public is going to say, of course Kelsey's going to score a touchdown. I'm like, I doesn't score touchdowns. It's Taylor Swift is at the game. He's going to play awesome. <laughs> you know, he's got Patrick Mahomes. So one of my favorite um, bets, is actually Brock Purdy under one and a half passing touchdowns. 
You can get that at ESPN Bet at plus 105. Purdy is obviously new to the Super Bowl. I think he's going to have some first quarter, first half jitters. And although he's got great weapons to throw to, like Kittle, like Ayuk, like Debo Samuel, the Chiefs' pass defense has been incredible this year, guys. They've played 20 games, and only four quarterbacks have thrown two or more touchdowns in a game against them. Four out of 20. And they've played Josh Allen a couple times, Lamar Jackson. They've played some really great quarterbacks. Of course, Justin Herbert, they see. So Brock Purdy, under one and a half passing touchdowns, plus 105, is one of my favorite bets in the prop market. Why do you like the Chiefs in this game? Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, um, the great defense. Those are three things that I think um, can neutralize the strengths of the San Francisco 49ers. I think um, Brock Purdy is going to, you know, at least in the first quarter, first few drives, first few series, he's going to struggle compared to Patrick Mahomes, who's been there before, who's done that, who's played in the stadium, you know, multiple times, a member of the uh, AFC West. He, he goes to Allegiant Stadium all the time. He's comfortable with that environment. He's obviously comfortable with the Super Bowl environment. So I think the Chiefs build a lead early because of the difference between Mahomes and Purdy and their experience. And then I think in the second half, the Chiefs lean on their defense, which has been phenomenal all season long, and holding off any attempt to come back by an objectively explosive 49ers offense. Tyler Folgem, our guest here, ESPN, ESPN bet. They get ready for a big game against Kansas City and San Francisco uh, on Sunday, do you dive into the weird props like the uh, the passing yards and touchdowns and reception <laughs> yards? Do you dive into Gatorade color, coin toss, national anthem over unders, Taylor Swift being proposed to? How many times Taylor Swift is referenced <laughs> on the TV? Do you get into the the kind of the wackier, weird, fun prop bets that really football has nothing to do with? Yeah, I don't bet them, but certainly love to talk about them on our show, ESPN Bet Live, because I know there's a lot of viewers out there who that's what they want to bet on. They don't care how many times Brock Purdy drops back to pass or how many yards Patrick Mahomes has. They want to know the color of the Gatorade. They want to know how long the national anthem is. They want to know heads or tails for the coin toss. They want to know what color jacket Taylor Swift comes to the game in and how many times she's referenced on the CBS broadcast. So um, that's definitely something I like talking about, not something I particularly am going to bet. But certainly, it's definitely fun to discuss. Let's talk MVP. Uh, is this as simple as, as it was when you when I asked you why Chiefs and you're like Mahomes, Reed, great defense, and like I Tyler, as many numbers as people look at, I think that's what it basically boils down. I you could show me EPA rate and you can show me red zone conversion rate. Mm-hmm. Nobody really cares. It just seems like you're either taking the Niners because you're a fan of the Niners or you want to go against the public, even though they're the favorite, they're like a favorite underdog, which is a weird position to be yeah, in. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Whereas like everybody uh, else is just, I, 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 yeah. I'm going to say for the MVP, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's a great way to bet on who wins the game. Like for instance, I think the chiefs are going to win the game. So rather than just taking the chiefs on the money line, I'm going to make my chiefs pick be Patrick Mahomes to win the MVP at plus 130 because my handicap here is what are the chances that the Chiefs win the game and it's not Patrick Mahomes that's deemed as the biggest reason why. I think you, and that's 30 extra cents per dollar that you get back in return if you just bet Mahomes to win the MVP as opposed to the Chiefs winning the game. Now, again, you're assuming a little bit of risk because Travis Kelsey could win the MVP, maybe a defensive player, who knows. But I think in 95% of the outcomes where the Chiefs win the game, it's because Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes. So I'm going to, instead of just taking the Chiefs plus 100 money line, I'm going to bet Mahomes as the MVP at plus 130 because I expect the Chiefs to win, and that's a way to get a little more 
juice out of the bet, so to speak. Whereas, again, if I like the 49ers on the other side, bet Christian McCaffrey at plus 450 to win the MVP. Because what are the chances that CMC doesn't have a couple of touchdowns and the Niners are able to keep up with or win this game? So I'm glad you brought out that MVP market because that's a different way, assuming a little bit of a risk, to get more out of your bet by figuring who's going to be the biggest reason why this team wins. And for me, be Mahomes on the Chiefs side, it'd be Christian McCaffrey on the Niners side. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you there, Ty. I think that's kind of the that that's the right perspective. You can certainly bet your team if one of these teams is your team, and I'm I'm going to be rooting for the Niners in the game. So that's an automatic like who's the MVP? Purdy certainly could surprise people. If you want to take a long shot on Debo, go ahead. I'm going to take the guy who gets yeah. the ball the most and is kind of the most efficient. Let me. I got two more questions for you. We we'll get you out of here on this. The first one is. How did you do last year in the Super Bowl with with your bets? Did you did you have the right read on the game, or did something bite you? No, I had a good a good year last year. I thought it'd be a high scoring game. Um, I liked the Chiefs. I, I had a very good. I played daily fantasy on DraftKings, and I had a very good showdown slate um, that won me a tournament there against some friends that I play. So I, I had a good year last year. I'm hoping this year is the same. I don't think it's going to be as high scoring. I think it's going to be lower scoring in comparison. Um, so that of course makes it a little harder to find those props and more unders as opposed to overs, but last year was good. I'm hoping to back it up this year. Uh, get you out of here on this one, Tyler, cause we appreciate the time. And I know you're doing a lot of hits right now. ESPN bet just launched and, uh, you're doing a great job with ESPN and ESPN bet. Let me ask you, uh, when all said and done, how do you think this is going to boil? Give me a score and what's, is Purdy going to throw a game losing interception? How is this going to go? Are you think it's a, ch- a chief dominant win? How you overall feel the game's going to go? Yeah. 24-22, Chiefs win. So the Chiefs win and cover their money line. Uh, that goes under the total. The total's 47.5. 24-22 would be under, as that's only 46 points. I think the Chiefs have a, um, you know, 24-6 or a 24 to 14 type of lead, something like that, 24, 13 type of lead, whatever. And there's a late score by the Niners that gets them to 24, 22. I'll have to work on the math on how I got there. <laughs> and then um, the onside kick comes, the Chiefs recover it. Patrick Mahomes kneels it out three times and they win. All right, there we go. Tyler Fulgham, ESPN, ESPN Bet. Catch him on Twitter. Catch him on ESPN Bet Live. Tyler, thanks for the time out here in Portland, man. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Good luck on your bets. And uh, hopefully we can catch up with you soon. Sounds good. All right, there we go. Tyler Fulgham, ESPN Bet, joining us with uh, some of the read and thoughts that he has on this matchup. He likes the Chiefs. He likes the under. He's not going to overthink the room here. He's going to take the obvious uh, MVP pick. And, you know, pretty easy Kansas City lean for him. Doesn't participate in the wacky, weird prop bets. But he certainly has a perspective that if you like the Chiefs, and obviously most of America does, even with a small spread, I think Schultz, his thought is, well, if I like the Chiefs, why not just take most of these Chief props, the Pachecos, the Kelseys, the MVP, Mahomes, Chief money line? Like, you might as if you might as well just tie a lot of these into a parlay if you're so heavy on the Chiefs. I mean, I've been playing Travis Kelsey anytime touchdowns all season like they're going out of style. ESPN.com, on, on that, yeah, to score a touchdown, it's even money. Yeah, like, exactly. I was surprised to read that. I feel like that should be minus money because it... If they're scoring, 
it's hard to see very many players on that team scoring the tutty. No, and I, I, I do love people. I've seen a lot of tweets out there being like, oh, not just Travis Kelsey anytime, but first touchdown, which I think is like plus seven or 800. Yeah, that's when you get to start getting some value is that first touchdown being scored. But, but then people are thinking, oh, maybe Rashi Rice, who's plus 1,100 offers better value. Yeah. So, so looking at these numbers, yeah, I think Kelsey anytime touchdown would be the bet that I'm going with. But you're right. I, I kind of want to do like a, not even just like a three-way, but like a four or five-way parlay of just Chiefs different oh. props. Shocking. Schultz who likes to go to strip joints while he's in on a five-way. I'm Degenerate. stunned to find this out. Uh, we have a lot to get to on the radio program. We're back with more Dirt and Sprague on The Fan. This is a Super Week edition of Dirt and Sprague. Brought to you by George McCoy at warrenallen.com. On 1080 The Fan. All right, we'll get to uh, some NFL dealings coming up. I... Um, we get these emails where we get these offers for the interviews, and it's you know it's Super Bowl week, man. I, I I'm in. I I'll talk to as many people. It doesn't have to be gambling related. It could be analytically driven gambling, football. You know, football, football stuff. I'm all in. What does kind of suck about those interviews that were offered via email? And and we appreciate Tyler Fulgham's availability to us. The only thing that sucks is they get put on these business lines. So like. A handler calls us and is like, I have Tyler Fulgham ready to go, and then patches him in. And so, like, there's this weird delay thing that happens. And as a host, you can you can kind of pick it up. I think as even a listener, you can pick it up pretty quickly. But as a host, you can be like, oh, he's hearing me two seconds later. And so there's this awkward silence between question and answer. We appreciate, again, Tyler Fulgham's availability. But it's always a little bit of a dicey uh, role there. Uh, Schultze has a short and leaking confidence version of Statter's story we're going to get to in a second. Uh, Swag forgot to throw into a text like, yo, it's Wednesday. Don't forget Statter's story. So we'll get to that in a second. But I, I wanted to throw at you. Did you see Schultze? I don't know if you saw this. I had a listener earlier asked if I had watched a news piece done on this topic. 23.1 billion dollars expected to be gambled on the Super Bowl by America. Oh, my God. $23.1 billion. I mean, I can't say I'm surprised. I also would just say this, and I'm not in any way telling you how to spend your money, but what I find interesting is sometimes I see these, like, reports, $20 billion to solve homelessness. And then I see, like, two weeks later, $23.1 billion gambled on a football game where most people are going to lose their money. And I'm like, well... We can certainly fix things if we want, but gambling on the game is, it's become massive. It, it, I mean, it's always been a big deal. Yeah. But as more and more states pass legislation to allow a DraftKings to exist in their state as we have, you get more people that are interested. There was a listener earlier who was like, hey, did you see the 60 Minutes piece on these young 20-somethings that gamble? And they've become addicted. And some of these guys have to get dumb phones, not smartphones, so they could like get out of the gambling life. They students, they're finding young students are using financial aid money yep. to gamble. $23.1 billion on the Super Bowl. And almost all of us are gonna lose the money we gamble on. Do you have a limit? Do you have an amount you're planning to gamble on the Super Bowl? 
Probably 75 bucks. You're going to load 75 in the account if it's not there already? Yeah, it's not because I've lost uh, my, my season. I What I usually do at the beginning of each football season, so college and NFL, you know, like so the end of August, early September, usually I'll throw two to 250 bucks in and I try to live on that for the entire season. Yeah. I did really well through. January and then uh, as I as I lamented to you guys I tried to put all my money I did not practice bankroll management I put all my money on that <laughs> under of the uh, Bills Chiefs game that ended up being moved so no no I did not yeah. hit that I uh, lost basically my entire bankroll so I'm gonna throw another 75 in there because okay. I, I I don't want to lose a bunch but I do consider that a donation at this point and uh, yeah 21.8 billion dollars of what are most likely to be donations. Oh, yeah, the books are going to clean house. I oh, mean, yeah, you, you might give one or two of that back, yeah. right, depending on the odds. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, what's interesting is every conversation, and I don't even mean it this way. I know we do talk a lot of gambling on the show. We spray the line every Friday at 830. Like, we have fun with it. Uh, we've always, I, I, I'm out loud and proud. I got a small unit. I'm telling you straight up, my unit is tiny. I you know I'm, I'm a six seven dollar better. Sometimes go. I go heavy. I will go heavy on some games. I I put a sizable amount on that Bills Chiefs game, and I'm an idiot. And I went against Mahomes, and uh, he took all my money because I'm a moron. Well, but, your unit should only be one to three percent of your o- overall bankroll, anyway. Well, but so. yeah, you know, a lot of people also have the belief when you gamble in sports that like you know scared money don't make money. You gotta have you gotta have some juice, and and I certainly understand, and all the math checks out on it. I just what I find interesting is how regular conversation yeah. is kind of morphed around it. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm not interested. I personally I am. There are things I'm interested in. But like we had Eric Eager on earlier. And Eric does a lot of hits with gambling centric shows. So I don't fault him for this. But if you just say, like, hey, do you have a side that you're leaning? That's lingo in the gambling world, baby. Yeah. Is that Chiefs plus two or Niners minus two? That's how he hears that, and that's how a lot of people hear it. But I was generally just asking, like, is there a team? You almost have to change your language in a way because it becomes so gambling-centric for so many people now. Yeah, it's like it doesn't matter who's going to win. It's who are you fading and who are you following. Yeah, yeah like, I- hey, it was the over-under number. Well, it's dropping, and it's it's certainly changed the way the game's covered. I mean, it's funny to think about the NFL and how Tony Romo couldn't do a gambling-sponsored fantasy football event because how dare you incorporate gambling? They're having the Super Bowl like seven years later. It's in Las Vegas, Nevada. So I I find all of it, just the way it's evolving and the narratives around, it's so taboo. Offshore, you have to go get this check from somebody in Venezuela. You have a bookie. And now it's like, I open my phone and I gamble. Like, it went from don't do it to we're all, not all, but the proverbial all of us are doing it. And now it's in Vegas this year, $23.1 billion set to be gambled by a lot of studies on just one football game. Color of Gatorade, coin flips. It's one of my favorite bets. The you, color of are Gatorade you a wacky bet. better? You're, I'm a you're wacky a, prop better. A prop better that likes going in on some of that stuff that nobody can predict unless you DM a player and say, Hey, what color is it? That's true. It, it is the Gatorade. You really have to have the inside player scoop. But also, like one the of Chiefs won it last time, and it wasn't anything to do with their colors. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I feel like it was a blue. And we didn't even know it because they had cut away from the Gatorade bath on Reed. Yeah, you didn't see it live. And so people had to go find still images taken from different angles that we didn't get on TV right away. I remember 
I remember, I think it was last year that that happened. It was like for 20 minutes, nobody knew if they cashed their Gatorade ticket. Yeah, and also one of my favorite ones is the length of the national anthem. I believe Reba McIntyre is singing it this year, and they go over under. Is oh. she the national anthem? They have like three, I Post Malone, Reba McIntyre, and hey. R&B singers escaping my mind. I mean, I know Usher is the halftime show guy. Yeah, and that's another one you can who... sometimes gamble. What's the first song Yeah, what, or, with, or right? are they going to do a medley or that kind yeah, of thing? But I, yeah. I've sang the national anthem at many different local venues um you have yes wow different baseball games i mean i was the mc for the hillsborough hops so i was kind of there whenever someone didn't show Wait, up to the do MC. the anthem swag yeah. job no i was uh basically their todd bosma oh yeah okay so so kind of you know on the field hey yeah. everybody look at these kids and playing a game in between the innings it's and... time for the wieners run around third yeah, on your mark you get said go who's yeah, that... the biggest wiener i am <laughs> brought to you by our hot dog vendor who supplies us with wieners that is exactly what i did okay. almost to a t schultzy so. the mc how yeah. about that did that for three or four years so so i love to uh the the over under on the anthem something that that i feel like i i I can kind of nail down a little bit. You just got to go find a couple of recordings. Um, but you know what? I thought I was right one year, still lost my money. So so it doesn't matter. Even if you study, even if you think you've got an inside track to yeah. it, like, guess what, guys? It's just a donation. Just, um, just consider it that. Let's get to your stat or story. You said you have two stats or stories to get to here. Let's just do the two. Should I just play the music? Well, you can't. Yeah. Go ahead. Pot it up. Uh, there we go. Oh, what is this? This is the Statter Story music. I don't believe this is it, Art, but but that's okay. It's a Schultzy Statter Story. No, this so is it can, my Statter Story. There, hey, there. That's the attitude. You needed that swagger going into the segment. I will let you know, Schultzy going into the segment, leaking confidence. I was like, "Do you got a Statter Story?" And he's like, "I kind of have two, sorta." So let's see your leaking confidence Statter Story here, Schultzy. I think it's pretty good, and I love this music, by the way. Who wants to be a millionaire? Rest in peace, Regis Philbin. Regis Philbin. Is that your final answer? It, no, it's you, not. You remember the guy that won it and was so confident he knew the answer to win a million? He called his dad just to say, Dad, I won a million dollars. Well, that was kind of an easy question looking back. It was because if you don't know what we're talking about, it was the first ever winner of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I think his name was John. I can't remember his God, last name. God, he rolled through that game. No problem. No problem. And then the final million quest, million dollar question, how far is the earth away from the sun? I'm pretty sure it's 93 million miles, and they just had different like you think 90, that's easy? 93 miles, 93 million. You think most people could answer billion. that question correctly? I don't think most people could, but I think that if you are somebody that craves answers and it, it, it's called an in for somebody that seeks just trivia out, stuff. Yeah, seeks yeah. out knowledge, right. needs the answer for everything. Right, right, you right. will remember that. And that guy was smart and obviously had a lot of knowledge. All right, what's your first stat or story? All right, your first number is 40. Your first number is 40. Is it the number of points that Anthony Edwards had in the T-Wolves lost to the Bulls last night? Or is it the number of years that a wallet was returned to its owner after being <laughs> lost? The number is 40. I, ho I, I watched a little bit of the Wolves-Bulls game. He had 31 uh, I'm going to say, hmm, this would be a great story. Stat. 
You were close. You were going to say story, and then you went stat. It is actually story. How many did he finish with? He finished with 38. Yeah, okay. He was so close to yeah. 40. 38, though, was his okay. final number. Uh, yeah, Bulls ended up beating the Timberwolves. They but did. 40 years, the number of years a wallet uh, was returned to its owner after being lost. This is... In Ontario, Canada, a wallet lost for 40 years returned to a family after being found in an air duct at a storage facility. Check this out. Andrew Medley of Detroit was working in a storage unit in Toronto when he found a wallet in an air duct. He was with a colleague at the time. They opened it up thinking it was a couple of years old, but they were shocked to see not only the actual dates in the wallet on things like IDs, a couple of bills with old dates on them, but how well everything was preserved. He went on to message the owner on Facebook after finding the name of the person in the wallet and sent messages to their daughter, uh, the daughter of the wallet owner, ended up getting it back 40 years later. That'd be wild to get a, a message, hey, I have your wallet from 40 years ago. I'd be like, what? <laughs> so it's 2024 now. 1984 would be Wasn't when. even alive. That's crazy. Wasn't even alive. Uh, what's the next one? All right. Next That's stat a good story. or story. I appreciate it. Your next stat or story number is 60. Your next stat or story number is 60. Is it the number of points Jalen Green and Pascal Siakam combined for in the Pacers' 132-129 to win over the Rockets last night? They're on separate teams, but both top scores. Sure. Or is it the number of consecutive hours a gamer spent playing World of Warcraft to break a world Number record? 60, you said? The number is 60. I have a hard time. I mean, this is where I get it wrong and I dirt it, but I'm going to go story again. I think you storied me twice. It, um... I don't know what the math would say about the odds of two players combining on a on an even number quite like that. I'm going to go story. You are right. The story choice here was correct. The combination of Jalen Green and Pascal Siakam was only 59 points. Mm. The Pacers ended up uh, beating the Rockets 132 to 129 last night. Those guys combined for 59. But a world record, actually, two were recently broken from a dedicated gamer in Hungary who played World of Warcraft for a consecutive 59 hours and 20 minutes straight, Jeez. breaking two Guinness World Records in the process by 23 hours and 31 minutes. Oh, my God, I don't know how you could play for that long without wanting to kill yourself. Well, you, you, you like to play video games, first of all. 60 hours. Yeah, you know, this, 60. this is cool. I'll give, you, I'll give you a better world record that should get more notoriety because I just watched a movie about it on Netflix. Okay. Nyad. There is a lady, and her last name is, or her first name is Nyad, which is like some correlation of meant to be in the water. Okay. She swam from Cuba to Florida, and it's a fantastic story. She was in the ocean 58 straight hours she swam. 58 straight hours of swimming in the ocean, by the way. How do you fight that? Currents and waves. And in that area, they got sharks that like routinely bite and kill people because they're, oh, there's a creature here. It could be a seal. She did all of that. She tried it six times. She finally succeeded. Delirious as hell. Oh, yeah. 
physically spent definitely more impressive than sitting on your ass and playing video games for 60 straight hours. I'll say that. Good status story. A nice little short version. Yeah, appreciate you. Status story. Great job, Schultze. Uh, coming up next, does this interest you at all? Because it doesn't me, and I'm loud and proud about it. Next on The Fan. This is a Super Week edition of Dirt and Spray. Brought to you by George McCoy at WarrenAllen.com. On 1080 All right, welcome back in. Something we've uh, talked about a couple times throughout the years is the advancement of streaming services. There's a lot of people that, uh, you know, cut the cable cord, cut the satellite. I'm going to stream. I did this years ago. I did YouTube, YouTube TV. I Get loved it. Get rid of it. those fees. Uh, yeah. And as time has gone on, we have learned, and I'll give Jeff Russ his flowers on this. I think he nailed it. Uh, he said years and years ago, oh, you're going to do streaming, huh? You're going to basically do cable is what you're doing. And they have now gotten to the point where I think anybody's streaming. Some, uh, Not everybody, but a lot of people will... Peacock, uh, you know, Netflix, Paramount Plus, uh, ESPN Plus, all that stuff. When you account for it all, it's it's cable price is what it is. And ESPN, Fox, Disney announcing they're going to partner and create a sports streaming platform. And the reaction to this, Turner, I believe, is in this as well. So you have TNT, ESPN, Fox. You can get most of the games. It should be noted. Peacock is not a part of this, so you won't get that stuff. Um, Paramount Plus, CBS, I think, is a separate thing as well. It, it seems, on in theory, like, hey, this could be a good thing for sports fans. And I saw this, and I kind of chuckled because I, I had YouTube TV. I still claim that if you like YouTube TV, stick with it. It's It's good. Uh, my thing was I couldn't get Blazer games. I have cable. <laughs> I've had cable for a couple years now. Loud and proud about it because everybody else is basically getting cable at this point unless you find your ways to stream things without subscribing to them if you catch my drift. I'm a cable subscriber. Yeah, I like to have the channels. I don't want to worry about missing anything. And I just find it funny that like, oh, a big announcement. We're creating cable, but we're calling it streaming. And you also had Oregon State and some Washington State people react to this and go, oh, look at that. Streaming is the way of the future. I see it. I hear it. But I would also counter it's not the same thing than what you were going to get into with Apple. Yeah. Apple offers no linear uh, uh, exposure. There was no like equivalent on TV, whereas you can stream this, but you can get those apps on your TV too. Also, cable will still be a thing for Fox, for ESPN. That's not going to get cut and go away. So I know Oregon State fan was kind of stepping up here and getting loud about UW or whoever. I would argue it's not the same thing, and the money you were going to make per year was still atrocious. This is more on the commissioner and all the presidents to not find better solutions for it, and it was ultimately doomed at the start. So this, like, owning the Pac-12 presidents who left, I don't really think that's the correlation at all. Uh, I just find it funny that, yeah, they create more ways to basically make you get cable. They just don't call it cable. I have cable. I'm never worried about any of this, but I know not everybody's sitting in that same position. But it does seem like it's it's basically, hey, we have cable. 
Yeah. <laughs> We're calling it streaming, but it's it's cable. Well, the whole reason that we all started to drop this stuff in the first place was because, gosh, those it, it wasn't just the regional sports fees. It was the equipment fees. It was like the modem rental, the box rental for four different rooms in your house. It oh, I saw it from uh, our buddy Bart Winkler in, in Milwaukee. It was like also the deals. They offer these great pricing deals. But the calendar was all mixed up. Exactly. So you, like, oh, wait, wait, how much am I paying now? And I've had that a couple of times. And then after a year, you get that new, like, we just got this bill in the mail where, oh, our internet, uh, our, our nice little promotional right. rate expired, and we're now paying full rate, so i got to call Comcast It went $50 up, right. Yeah, yeah, right. i got to negotiate that all over again. It's so, a nightmare, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of the reason, you know, the, the streaming thing looks very attractive, plus no ads, at least at the start. But now, as Jeff Rust has very dutifully pointed out correctly, we are seeing basically a circle back around of pretty much every streaming service now offering an ad tier and an ad-free tier that you have oh, to pay yeah. more for. Prime so, Video is doing this. It's like, hey, once upon a time you had Prime, you just got to watch, and yeah. now it's like, well, you want you want no commercials, Prime Plus. It's Net- like, way to get another four ninety nine out of me. Netflix did that six months ago. They finally added commercials to like the bottom tier of their thing. So, so we're starting to see all those fees kind of be added into the cost of the current streaming services. So that sucks, but. I'm not as down on this as you are, Sprague. And uh, what Isaac do you mean? Su- I'm not down. You're on down it. on I... it. You seemed you seemed down on it uh, as far as people not wanting to pay for another option for streaming. So, am I, I incorrect? Well, in that? I have cable. Like, wh- yeah, you're just going to end up paying a cable price if if you are indeed all in on buying. Not everybody is. Some people will only get certain streaming things, and some people say, "Well, I only care about this sport, so I only have this." And to those people, God bless you. But for the masses that watch TV, you're, you're basically yeah. paying a cable price. Uh, it, it's not that as much as it is paying for access for everything in one spot. And if I, if I as a sports but I, fan, I have that now, and I have cable. I no, have all the. I can turn on my Comcast remote and say Netflix, and Netflix pops up on my TV. Uh, but but if I could go and and I see what ESPN is trying to do here, I'm not trying to be a businessman for them, but as a consumer, I like this option. If I can go on my phone or on my tablet or wherever I'm at onto ESPN.com to go look at scores, to go look at stuff like I normally would, any of the stories for the day, oh, I can click on any of the games from right there and just watch it immediately. We're not talking about just where these are available, like games to watch. We're talking about how you can access them. So as opposed to, I get it, it's all a one-stop shop if you've got 200 channels with all the games on. At home, accessing is easier for me than most. Exactly, but if I'm, and this is the way that it's going to be at home and on the road as well, if I'm looking at an app like ESPN, all the scores are up, and you see... I see DirecTV and Xfinity trying to implement this like scoreboard technology into their live game watches. That's what ESPN's offering here. And this deal with, I mean, I can't believe well, all... We don't know the price, do we? I didn't see a price yesterday. No, 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 no. there is no price yet. The, the price, the service is going to be determined. But, but what they are offering here, and it's fascinating to me that they could partner up with Warner Brothers and Fox to make this happen, yeah. is ease, simplicity of access. And I am all for that. Now, is so it... So how is cable not easily accessible? for you. No, it, it is, but as I'm saying, it's just a different it's a different accessibility. We're we're talking about going in and 
you know, traditionally searching through a guide of channels as opposed to looking at a section of box scores on ESPN.com. And I can go click from any game that I'm looking at a box Comcast score. Comcast offers that. They show you box scores and real time scores. You can just click the game. But can you watch all of them? And that's what I'm saying. Can you watch them from that screen? Can you go click into that screen and do it? You have to go to three or four or five different menu choices as no, opposed I don't. to what ESPN's doing. It's just right on the front no, page. No, no, I yeah, that is not at all what cable is now. Cable well, is much easier. Now, where I, where I will say cable is failing, the you can't stream unless you're on your home Wi-Fi. Like, oh, huh? that's bullshit. The Xfinity stream option is, it's ungodly. It's ungodly. It's disgusting. It is, that was the benefit of a YouTube TV. Is I could watch that at my nephew's football games and not miss anything and just have it on my phone. I can't do that now with that's Comcast. Fair. The Xfinity stream is only accessible via the, the home Wi-Fi. But the home experience is super easy. Also, like, I like scrolling. I like the guide. I I memorize the channels that I watch. I don't have a problem finding the access. I know where league passes. I know what section my my extra innings baseball Atlanta Braves package is. It's pretty. I I think it's easier in a lot of ways at home. It's on the road and in, in different you know places that it becomes the accessibility is a problem and that's where i think she'll see what you're talking about that's where it has the one up but we don't know the price of this yet exactly i'd be stunned if this is under 50 bucks oh it's probably gonna for be all the 70, access 80. to all of those all those networks like I, I would be surprised if it was that <laughs> i mean what did root sports's fee just go up like almost 20 dollars for our local consumers to keep blazers and mariners and cracking games on yeah so yeah it, it's not gonna be cheap the blazers are on the third channel of root most nights yeah root sports plus plus yeah it's like <laughs> it, it's not root it ain't root sports plus it's root sports plus plus and i'm like it's an NBA team, and they're on like the third channel of a regional network. It's unbelievable how oh, that happens. Probably the worst team on that regional network right now. Ah, the Mariners exist. Hey, they won fifty-four percent of their games, baby. That's all you need to do to win a World <laughs> Series. You watch out. Uh, wrap it up. Coming up next on the fan. This is a Super Week edition of Dirt and Spray. Brought to you by George McCoy at WarrenAllen.com. On 1080 The Fan. A uh, couple thoughts. Somebody said, when I had Comcast, I could not watch games outside of my home. I cut the cord and never went back. I, and I responded, blows my mind, the Xfinity stream and how terrible it is. I can't believe that they don't allow you outside of your Wi-Fi. No. Like the, the geolocation fencing for them. It's, it's nuts. Like, it's, come on. Like, it's 2024. What are we doing? DirecTV does not do that to me. Yeah, I've never been a satellite guy. My dad has it, so I kind of yeah. when I need to, you know, fill the gaps in, I'll use his use his login, and it's amazing. I took one off of my house this summer because uh, the previous owner had a couple on there, and one was on the side, and I had to take it off. <laughs> Old should, satellites are always fun. They should be mandated to have to come remove and patch those holes off your house. Like you pay a lot of money for that service. If it's done, they should have to be the ones to come out and take that off and patch those holes. That's all I'll say on that. You would think. Uh, a couple a couple thoughts coming in on Fubo TV. My brother-in-law is Fubo, and I've heard nothing and seen great things. It seems like Fubo TV is kick-ass. I, I I'm not anti-streaming. I subscribe to a lot of streaming apps as well. I'm my cable, my 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 like entertainment bill, it's dumb. It's dumb. I, I don't even want to add up how much I'm spending because of how dumb it is. So I've heard good things about Fubo. Uh, somebody said, ironically, right in the middle of the segment, my internet decided to cut out 
All the more indication I should just stick with cable. Yeah, that is the advantage of cable. You know, you've got that signal right into the wall. Even if your Wi-Fi goes out, you would still be able to watch TV because of that cable that, that is always sending that signal. It uh, Look, there's pros and cons, I think, to both of it. I'm an old school guy. Like, hearing you say out loud, and you got to scroll to find the channel. Dude, one of the coolest things about me as a dad to my children right now, I know all the channels. Dad, where, where's Disney? 741. What are we doing? Dad, where's that channel that plays all the Christmas movies in December? Freeform, 739. Come, what are we doing? What's the league pass? 3,054. Come on. Stop playing games. Because I had to do that as a kid. I memorized everything. But now you can just go click on a movie title screen. Oh, dude, can, look, come there's on. There's so many better I know, options. I know your pro stream over cable, and, and that's fine. You're not wrong in some ways. You got to admit, the guiding of it is dumb. It's not as clean and easy as cable. I do miss the succinctness of the old. One button, there it is. Guide. Scroll down. Oh, a curmudgeon old fuddy duddy show today with starting off being anti Apple Vision and saying, We need cable forever. I want to scroll the channels. Now that's going to do it for us. Schultz's in tomorrow. Swag will be back on Friday. And uh, we have a lot to dive into. It's a day before the trade deadline. A couple things in college football catching my eye. NFL draft stuff. Some more audio from the Super Bowl we didn't get to today. We'll bring it back tomorrow. Uh, That's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Bright and early, Dirt and Sprague on Portland Sports Leader, 1080 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.